You are tuned in to Sunday Night Showdown. Your source for live and pay-per-view coverage of TNA and WWE. It's all part of the plan. With your host, Boom Boom Sensei. <laughs> yeah, baby. Internet Dave. Uh, I wish someone here knew about computers, but that would have gotten a laugh. Mark the Shark DeCarlo. Go ahead, make your jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. And Mr. Money on the mic, JJ Sexy. This is my favorite. The showdown begins now. back. It is uh, ID and the Shark. Uh, we're going to give the Jackson family the night off, uh, Mark DiCarlo, and uh, take this one ourselves. It's going to be uh, the highlights of SNS. Obviously, uh, Jeff and, and Trey and Harmony have had a, a big year with, with uh, everything they've done for us, as well as uh, Wrestling News Live. So uh, we'll give them the night off, and, and they did, along with uh, Tim Stein from Wild Talk, the uh, the the uh, review of Wrestling News Live and Wrestling News Live had a great year but I think you know what Sunday Night Showdown had a great year uh, the four of us really uh, found our, our sink and uh, the numbers have never been better well it's funny internet Dave that you use the ter- terminology sink because I think the, the single greatest highlight of the year on uh, our Sunday Night Showdown uh, broadcast was arguably the last show <laughs> of the year when a certain somebody might have when we got off the when we went off the air found said sink <laughs> in said studio and uh, w- without a doubt the funniest pay per view that we did all year and and through no fault of your own you were at some previously booked uh, function uh, I believe you were down in Las Vegas judging the adult video awards um, rumor has it either that or a, a horrible shaving accident in order to become one step closer to dashing well. And, and you, you not only with that horrible shaving accident became one step closer to being a uh, human highlight film for anybody uh, in the medical profession that wants to learn how to do stitches properly. That's right. Um, having said that, the, 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 the final pay-per-view of, uh, of 2010 was exceedingly funny. Uh, for those that, that listened to it over the SNS radio network on SundayNightShowdown.com, um, I felt it uh, was my duty to continue along with the, I believe it was the third time or fourth, I can't remember, and since I'm the only one that doesn't consume alcohol on the SNS radio network, um, it is only fitting that I brought some high-intensity alcohol to the final pay-per-view of the year, which was 
TLC. TLC. And the only, uh, the, the, the biggest bump of TLC, of course, was, <laughs> was when, when John Cena yanked the, the chairs down off of the entrance gimmick and landed on top of Wade Barrett, who was conveniently placed underneath, um, a very, uh, uh, makeshift wood scaffolding, so he didn't get severely hurt by the chairs. But the the um, the second biggest bump of the night, if you will, was in the uh, worldwide headquarters of the SNS Radio Network when um, there was a no holds barred match, as I recall, between um, Mr. Money on the Mike JJ Sexay and the aforementioned uh, Mark the Shark to Carlos supplied bottle of wild turkey, and for those of you that haven't heard the broadcast, uh, Internet Dave shortly will have a recap of the TLC pay-per-view broadcast on the SNS Radio Network, and you can see and hear plainly for yourselves that, in fact, through by any means necessary, no matter what the, the booking of the office here on the SNS Radio Network would have preferred, that, in fact, the winner of the match was unequivocally the bottle of wild turkey. I was going to say, uh, I was hoping to, to get a sample of that to, just to find out what it was like, but you you only had an empty bottle to bring home. Well, and yes, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the overwhelming uh, theme, if you will, of that night was there was no alcohol left at the end of the show. And uh, uh, kudos to... Uh, Harmony Boom Boom Sexay, who uh, uh, put on a stellar performance in uh, uh, taking care of both all of, of both of the bottles of uh, Rupert Schnapp's uh, meticulously uh, mixed, I might add, by yours truly, with uh, some uh, Fireball cinnamon whiskey and some Coke, and uh, she did an outstanding job, and once again proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that the undisputed, undefeated uh, heavyweight champion of alcohol consumption here on the network, and it's not even close. And think about this: when you got two Okies from Muskogee, that right. being the trade dog, and <laughs> and uh, uh, Mr. Money on the mic, JJ Sexay, that the 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 strap still uh, goes around the shoulder of Boom Boom, uh, no question in my mind. And uh, as I was in the studio that night, uh, obviously the the champion still reigns supreme. Right. Well, you know what? Uh, that I have to tell you that the archive of that show was uh, was something friendly on a ten hour drive uh, to Saskatchewan in in winter conditions. So uh, well, I, I had a good I had a good laugh, and those three hours went by very quickly on the road. Well, and it's amazing that all the laughing that you probably were subjected to didn't cause you to drive off the road into uh, oblivion in the middle of uh, uh, in between I don't know where the hell I am and nobody's ever heard of this city in Saskatchewan. Exactly. Well, you know, it's funny because the, the pay-per-views that, uh, that I missed, the only two pay-per-views that I missed were TLC and, and Money in the Bank, which had three plus two, five, Basically, really incredible ladder matches. I mean, there was obviously uh, Money in the Bank from from WrestleMania 26 that Jack Swagger won, which we'll talk about later. But uh, those two match, those two evenings that uh, the three of you had to call on your own, and I don't even think Harmony was there for uh, for Money in the Bank. Uh, those were very interesting nights and very intense, hardcore, not color, but 
matches that uh, those guys uh, are going to feel for a long time. Well, you know, in, in my humble opinion, and I knew that uh, that uh, JJ agreed with me at the time, although I'm sure he doesn't remember it. Um, <laughs> the simple fact of the matter is, in my humble opinion, I, I really thought that the TLC pay-per-view. Um, at the end of the year was arguably the second best pay-per-view of the year, probably behind uh, Mania in March. Um, I thought that the that the booking um, for TLC was was absolutely spectacular. The matches were fantastic. There was one there was one questionable time-killing spot where uh, the Big Show was in the ring. You know. And it was it was pretty bad, but I won't make reference of it. Uh, it really takes a lot of ingenuitiveness, not only by the in-ring performers, but certainly uh, the bookers and the people in the office to come up with something innovative and different, uh, match by match that that doesn't have any uh, thing to do with any of the other matches on on the pay-per-view card. And I really thought that they did a spectacular job. I really, really enjoyed TLC. And generally, um, you know, for for people that have heard me on the network for for a number of years, you all know that I'm I'm very much old school in my thought process of how I believe matches should go. And I'm I'm really not one that generally likes too many quote-unquote given matches on one pay-per-view, but um, I thought the TLC uh, idea was spectacular, to say the least. Right. And of course, uh, we'll come back to that uh, pay-per-view later in the broadcast, because we got 12 months to talk about, and there were a lot of highlights and lowlights over 12 months. You know what? I think when we, when we think about 2010 in terms of a 365-day year in wrestling, a lot of wrestling fans' memories don't usually go past two months, so it, 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 it's good. Talking about me? <laughs> I'm talking about me. Uh, so, really, it's good to, to go over each uh, pay-per-view matches, uh, match list and, and just get some highlights of, of what happened throughout the year. But, Shark, you know, the one thing I think that's going to stand out for me for 2010 is uh, is some bold Bold decisions that TNA made this year uh, that either are su- are succeeding or dramatically failing, and there's a lot of different issues and a lot of different opinions on those issues, and we'll uh, certainly provide you with with some of those. I mean, the first one that sticks out to me, obviously, we didn't really need to deal with because it, it wasn't on a Sunday night for SNS, of course, but. Uh, TNA not only January 4th, 2010, going live, going live on a Monday against the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels reunion, but uh, bringing back Bubba the Love Sponge, bringing back the Nasty Boys, and Shawn Morley, right. and the fact that they were willing to go on Monday nights and draw a .5 or a .4 or .3 up against Monday Night Raw. They said that Monday nights were wrestling nights and they just wanted to build an audience and and hoped that they could provide a better product. But it didn't last long, and they went back to Thursdays awfully quickly. Well, and, and, you know, when you look back at the last 12 months that was in total nonstop action wrestling, um, you really got to scratch your head collectively over some of the decisions that they made. When 
they had decided prior to 2010, and they announced that, in fact, they were going to move Impact to a live time slot on Monday night, directly opposite to Monday Night Raw and the resurrection of the old WCW, uh, WWE, F at the time, Monday Night Wars. Um, everybody, certainly in the IWC, the Internet Wrestling Community, and a lot of fans in general were quite excited about the prospect of what might TNA do to go head-to-head and try to make some inroads and try to get some uh, over-the-top ratings. And really, um, when they announced that, I could, you know, and I said it at the time, I, I, I just felt as though Vince was sitting in his pearly white marble office in Titan Towers in Stanford, Connecticut, scratching his head and going, well, they are dumber than I thought. <laughs> and if you recall, when TNA had let the cat out of the bag and officially announced with a major... Uh, media push, of course, that Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, and Dixie Carter did, and and of course you recall, Internet Dave, that uh, uh, the the huge press conference that they did at the uh, at Madison Square Garden Theater, yeah. right in the backyard, and and you know they 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 were very specific that they did it there because, of course, that is historically been known. It's the home of World Wrestling Entertainment over the course of years, um, certainly way prior to uh, uh, Vince Jr. owning it. And and they did that for a reason, because they wanted to stick their collective foots up the asses of everybody at Titan Towers. And it worked. The, The mainstream media attention that they harbored and garnered over that whole scenario was fantastic. What they failed to realize at the time was that Vinnie Mac always holds that Trump card, and I don't mean Donald Trump, um, and certainly the offshoot of that was the whole thing that they did on Monday Night Raw opposite the first live TNA broadcast of the quote-unquote Monday Night War and the... uh, Resurrection and the, you know, the way that they brought Brett the Hitman Hart and the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels together in the ring uh, for the first time in, I believe, at the time, 12 years, 12 or 13 years since they hadn't seen, heard, or spoke with each other since the, uh, you know, the failed night at the Bell Center in Montreal um, with the infamous Montreal Screwjob and. From the get-go of that scenario, it was a huge and horrible mistake by TNA that didn't last, correct me if I'm wrong, longer than about three or four months. I agree with that. Absolute maximum. Right. And they garnered very, very bad ratings. Yeah. And some would say scurried with their tail between their legs back to Thursday night, which... You know, uh, I'm the first to criticize, and I'm the, the first to uh, to uh, credit anything that, that goes on in the world of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment, and I thought it was a very good move that they did going back to Thursday night. Well, you know what? I mean, that was a big night, and 
a big moment for both companies simply because of the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels reunion, which I felt was very, very genuine. And to me, like we have several categories that we'll go through. I mean, obviously, we're going to give you some highlights of SNS's live coverage of the, the matches that we uh, like best, like best, and didn't like quite as much, and take you exactly back to what we thought at the time as the matches were taking place. But uh, one of the categories I wanted to talk about uh, tonight, Shark, was uh, worst decision. And to me, when it, if WWE gets its own uh, nominator for this, I would say I, I've met the man, you've known him for 20 years, but outside of January 4th, from January 5th on, everything and anything having to do with Bret the Hitman Hart was the worst decision of, of 2010 for the World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, unfortunately, um, the whole issue with Vince leading up to the, the Mania matches, the, the Mania match that Vince and, and Bret had, the match itself, uh, all the, uh, the Hart family coming down to, to the ring, pretending to double-cross Brett when they were actually double-crossing Vince, uh, Bruce Hart being a being the special referee and wanting that microphone so badly, but his brother making sure he didn't come within 100 yards of it. And, I mean, yeah, that was the turning point for the Hart dynasty, but Bret Hart uh, becoming the United States champion, then... Uh, withdrawing simply because he was going to become the new general manager of Raw, then getting fired from being the general manager of Raw, uh, being DQ'd in the uh, SummerSlam elimination match, and then finally finally fading away. I mean, Brett's a great guy. He's always given all of his time and as much time to me as he's as I've ever needed. So I'm indebted to him for that because he got me, what I was able to do with him got me a long way in the industry. But... Uh, I mean, you've known him ten times longer than anybody, Shark, but this was not the right decision for WWE, and it may not be uh, in the legacy of Bret Hart his best decision either. Well, um, having known Bret Hart for the, I don't know, 22-some-odd years that I've, that I've known him, I can honestly say that the whole scenario was derived from an idea that Brett had. On the wrestling side of it, it, it stemmed from the fact that Brett was bored and pitched Vince with an idea, and Vince w- was all for it, and, uh, and then the whole Shawn Michaels thing came out of that, which I was fine with, and I thought they did an outstanding job. But like you said... From up until January the 4th, yeah. it was outstanding. From January the 5th <laughs> to the end of Mania, or, or even well, the end of the year, basically. The end yeah. of the year, I looked... Him not appearing at, at Raw in Calgary, but then appearing on Raw a week or two later also. Well, that's another thing to add to the list. And, and I'll, I'll make mention of that in a second. Um, but, but the fact that that they utilized him in some questionable... Angles and storylines. Certainly, the the Vince squashing him thing was people people just didn't like that. And and um, you know, having seen the whole scenario played out and it all being a storyline lead up to their blow off match at Mania, I didn't think was was that bad. Um, 
the, the match at Mania itself was far too contrived and did have some interesting twists and turns. Um, thank God for the captive audience um, and everybody that was watching that, as you mentioned, Bruce Hart was nowhere near a microphone. Thank God. Um, because, anyways, that, that's a story for a different day. Um, I didn't really have a problem with anything that happened other than the fact that it was far too contrived and not believable. Um, absent, after that, um, it deteriorated even further. It really did. And, and I shook my head continuously. And the worst thing that I think happened was the fact that after he was fired as the general manager of Raw, he just disappeared. There was no, and I guess that was the storyline end of the whole Bret Hart scenario, is that he was fired. But I just, I felt sorry for him, having been for many, many years the 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 eyepiece of World Wrestling Federation and him being so loved and beloved by his fans throughout the world in the WWE universe um, that it was uh, I felt kind of embarrassed for Brett in, in some of the things that, that he did or was made to do or agreed to do I guess would be the correct terminology um, but having said all of that it's sports entertainment, it's professional wrestling, and really I don't think he really did anything that he didn't agree to, because he's very uh, apolitical when it comes to what he perceives as doing the right thing. Um, I really liked one aspect of the whole Bret Hart scenario, and that he gave a huge rub to the push that WWE gave to the Hart Dynasty, Tyson Kidd and David Hart Smith and Natalia. Uh, that was outstanding. And I, I really thought that they would have left him as the mouthpiece manager of the, of the crew longer than what they did. I really disliked the fact that, that they took the straps off of um, Tyson and, and David Hart the way that they did, and I'm certainly disliking the whole scenario with what they're doing currently with Tyson Kidd and his new bodyguard, Andrew Jackson, or something? Jackson Andrews. Yeah. Oh, well, and some would, say, <laughs> some would say I've got a history of being dyslexic, and that just proves it unequivocally once again. And David Hart Smith has disappeared. disappeared from World Wrestling Entertainment programming, and well, you know what, Sharp? We'll, we'll get to the we'll get to the Hart uh, dynasty in a little while because obviously uh, Natalia winning the women's title is certainly a big, big story, and and not just because we've known her and and worked with her, but uh, that that's something that that the SNS crew was specifically able to talk about the best uh, from, from that perspective once you won that pay-per-view. But I definitely want to talk more about the Dynasty uh, later on. Sure. But, but let's go right back to WrestleMania 26, Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon, the interesting <laughs> moments of that uh, match between the, the Hart family and uh, the Hart Dynasty and everything that involved uh, Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Here's uh, how we called it live from WrestleMania 26, Bret versus Vince, and we'll come right back. 
Uh-oh. It's a lumberjack match. One of those lumberjacks is going to be a, a guest referee. Just remember this, Brett. Brett screwed Brett. We'll see. And Vince screwed Brett. More homosexual references. And Yuck. Now, Vince and your entire family screwed Brett. Wow. Oh, we got the Hart Dynasty. We've got a lot and of the, lumberjacks. And the here lumberjacks ready to go. happen to be the Hart Dynasty and the Hart family. Has Vince McMahon bought the Hart family here for this match at WrestleMania 2010? Or is this finally the face turn of Natalia, Tyson Kidd, and D.H. Smith? That's exactly it. It will be a face turn. They're yeah. going to turn on this. The whole family is going to turn and help Brett win this match. Thank God Ellie's wearing a different dress than last night. Wow. There's, there's Ross. We know Ross. Ross. Ross is still wearing the same there's Diana that he's had on since Wednesday. And Diana bringing up the rear. And Diana's bringing up the rear, which I hear she's uh, very good at. Oh, boy. Who's the, uh, who's the gentleman in the glasses? That would be world-famous ex-Stampede Wrestling referee Wayne Hart. Wayne? Oh, that's Wayne. That's okay, Wayne. Great. That's, that's right. Yeah, because Smith is leading the group. And, of and course, uh, uh, Bruce is back <laughs> into his more familiar um, Terry Funk boots, yes. his, uh, his jeans, Does bad jacket, bad shirt, and really bad Tom Hanks-like aviator glasses that he's had on the entire time he's been in Phoenix. But you know what? This is so obvious of what's going to happen yeah. now. I mean, it's Bret Hart's family, despite the fact that, yeah, he might have issues with a lot of members of his family. Come on. This is too easy. They sit there and talk about how it's genius. Matt Stryker's talking about that right now. And even Such Allison an is obvious there. fucking swerve. Yeah. I mean, could you have not shown us any plainer what's going to happen in this match? Wow. Are they that confident that the match is going to suck that they have to bring out the entire Hart family? I, I don't like this at all. I think that this is, as you said, J.J., an exceedingly bad and dead giveaway as to the turn. And, uh, you know, Harmony, what, what, are you, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? Well, I, I, it is very obvious. But the fact Bruce of the, the matter best. is, is they're not using this match just to, oh, my God, Bruce is unbuttoning his shirt. Sorry. I felt like that, I was going to throw off awful. there. He's the referee, Harmony. Yeah, okay. Oh, I thought it was going to be Wayne. Um, but Bruce my the point trainer of Boom Boom Sexy. He just hugged Vince McMahon. Yeah. Oh, God. But it, it is obvious, but this is, this is just. A nostalgia match for all of our fans, all of the fans like us back in the day, minus JJ, who liked Brett, and, you know, it, it's kind of closure for that. But what's more than than that in this match is this match is what they're going to use to bring the Hart Dynasty up to the next level. Whether they turn on them or whether they don't turn on them, that's where the current money is for Vince, not in the nostalgia. Oh, Brett just tearing his family up with the whole 
you know, got your money, cashed it. It's, oh, that's excuse awesome. Me, excuse me while I'm falling off the couch here watching Ross. <laughs> wow. This is crazy. And, and Brett, of course, inferred that Vince paid everybody in the family up front. Running wild and Bruce is finally in a WWE ring, getting up hearing the pop from the crowd. This is what Bruce wanted to to feel his entire adult <laughs> life, and and good for Bruce. Did, did you remember? Uh, you know, I told you about the um, <laughs> the documentary they did, Bret Hart on the Fight Network. Yeah. Well, there's a scene where Bruce is talking, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I was like, uh, they told me that they couldn't take me because I wasn't uh, big enough, and uh, that." Uh, that uh, Davy Boy and uh, Brett, uh, they, they were they were just about uh, they were almost not big enough to take, and so they, they really couldn't offer me the job. And uh, so they made me a press agent, and uh, so I was the press agent. I was getting paid like uh, you know uh, 150 dollars a week, and uh, you know the guy, the little effeminate voice says, "Take it or leave it." <laughs> so uh, I left it. And uh, I couldn't understand why they would bring me, why they wouldn't bring me in. I was like uh, the most over uh, baby face for like uh, the, the last five years in Stampede Wrestling, and uh, that was my that was my taste of the WWE right there. Jesus, we watched Tyson Kidd, Harry, or pardon me, David Hart Smith, and even Smith Hart waffle. Vincent Kennedy McManus, Natalia Neidhart, hauls off and waffles. And let me tell you, those waffles don't feel nice. No, and you so would... to smack the boss like that? And, and, and you would know that. You've had some matches with uh, uh, with Natalia Neidhart, boom, boom, and uh, wow. This is definitely, a, on the grandest stage of them all, what a better place to have a baby face turn for the, for the Hart dynasty than this. And this is how they, this is how they have Brett go over without Brett having to do a lot of work after his career-ending right. injury, after his stroke, still put him over and still get Vince to take, get the shit out of him. I'm oh my kidding. God! And, and they're they're going to administer. Oh my God! Super. Oh, it looks like David Hart Smith was holding BKM up. For a uh, heart attack, he is. He's getting him up. That's what he's getting ready. And Bruce right. is still doing the count uh, in the ring. Right. As Tyson, hold on a second. Tyson is on the top turnbuckle. Wow! Deliver the heart it all. Poor Vince, and he oh. cracks the back of his head. Sorry. Holy shit! Kind of reminds me of uh, one of those stories I read in one of the books I read about. I think it was Brett's book with him wanting to take the heart attack from Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Right. Right. And Jim thought, okay, let's do it. Oh, my God. And, and the way Vince hit the floor um, wasn't very good. And uh, this is great. And this I is, love this. This is the beginning of the end as um, Brett is 
springboarding down off of the bottom strand onto Vince's knee, which has got to be the initial setup ID for the sharpshooter. And you know what? I'll give Matt Stryker a hell of a lot of credit. As it looks like the ladies of the and Hart family are going to get a chance well, right now. It looks like Georgia Hart was trying to pick the pocket of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Maybe they needed a quick loan for BJ's gym. I don't know. They already cashed the check, didn't they? Yeah. Well, you would think so. And, and, and knowing Georgia like I do, she didn't want a check. She wanted cash. Vince uh, <laughs> getting underneath the ring, and he gets a tire iron uh -oh. of some sort, which drives away the Hart family. But, guys, did you notice how Smith, the older one, uh, who took off his, his tuxedo jacket, was really sprinting over to get a shot at Vince McMahon as Vince has a weapon now, which is pushing all the Hart family away. That's not Smith. No, but Smith is one of the older, well, is the Smith, oldest of the family. Smith is the one with the, old, with, the, with, the, with the vest on. Yeah. That is Smith. So now Vince has some sort of uh, <clears throat> something that will tie up the stakes, let's just say. As uh, you said, Bruce has been waiting for this moment his entire life, and hopefully they don't give him a microphone. No, no, you can be rest assured that, that after a, a couple of funerals and a couple of induction ceremonies that, that everybody on the production team has been instructed that if Bruce Hart goes anywhere near a microphone to electrocute him. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, oh, man, as, as Brett takes the, uh, the uh, it, it's not a tire iron. It looks like a shoehorn. <laughs> it's a metal shoehorn. It's a oh, and he really waffled me with it that time. It is the shoehorn of death. But uh, it I, is a fucking crowbar, guys. It's a crowbar. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like, it looks like a shoehorn. I prefer shoehorn of death. Of course, Diana on the outside there on the left, selling every shot that Brett, <laughs> that Brett gives VKM, and nobody had had more of an involvement in Brett's heyday than Diana Hart Smith, of course the former wife of the late, great Davy Boy Smith, who was actually part of that very famous match in front of 80-some-odd thousand people at, uh, outside at uh, Wembley Stadium in uh, London, England, between the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith and Brett the Hitman Hart. Okay, so, Shark, it's Diane on the far left. In the evening gown. Ellie in Ellie. the middle in the yellowest jacket. Yes. George, Georgia. Georgia. Uh, in the black. And yeah, and then Allison. In the, in the pink. Yes. Yes. This is going on far too long. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, everybody is just great. quiet. The whole crowd yeah. is quiet. They're all standing, not because it's great, but because they're like, what the fuck is going well, on? Well, because they're tired because they popped huge well, when he was yeah. going to put the sharp, sharpshooter on, and now we're in the rest spot phase. Well, and, and, and right, we're in the rest spot. And, and for all the things that, that Vince and along with, with um, Dave Batista did to Bret Hart over the last three months, this is what's called payback, and I think after the 13 chair shots that I counted, as the whole Hart clan is banging the, the ring apron on the we outside, the crowd. There I, they are. I, and there's the crowd, as everybody suspects, the sharpshooter, Double J, that this is the beginning of the end, and Brett administers the sharpshooter on Vincent Kennedy McMahon. now. That's yeah. a quick tap. It wasn't even locked in, he was no, tapping. he was tapping. He was tapping before. Bruce should have let him suffer a little bit longer there. Oh, it's still locked in, Dave. It's still locked in. He's not breaking it up. Yeah, he's not breaking it up. <laughs> he's no, that's true. Right. 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 Shamar, damn it. He screwed me out of that booking job. I was supposed to be a booker, and they, they, they screwed me out of it. And, Brett, thank you very much for trying to get me a job with Vince, but 
I guess I screwed it up because I'm Bruce. You know what? <laughs> I bet you Bruce went to Vince and said, Hey, Vince, uh, if you pay me X number of dollars a year, I'll search out Western Canada for you and find the greatest independent talent. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg. I can do it, man. I can do it. The problem was it was him. And Bruce steps on oh, like the back. talent. Bruce steps on the back it of, would Vin- still be him. of Vince McMahon as the regular referees from World Wrestling Entertainment enter the ring to save VKM's butt. Match that will go down in WrestleMania history. When we're watching the DVDs 10, 15 years from now, uh, Shark, uh, that will be a match that uh, you kind of hit the, the next button to get to and uh, and want to check out because it was certainly memorable. But we move on to what we considered the best WWE match of the year, and that was later that night. And I'll admit it wasn't as good as their first encounter, but one, it was the main event of the show, which was the most important thing, and two, uh, for the second straight year, these two gentlemen just killed themselves and did everything that they could for our entertainment. And that was uh, Sean and The Undertaker. I mean, yeah, WrestleMania main events usually are expected to be your best match of the year. But there was really nothing after that that really stood out in my mind in terms of uh, just passion and excitement and and atmosphere in the arena itself. And we're not going to see a round three uh, in Atlanta coming up in 2011, but The Undertaker is doing anything and everything he can to be ready to have another match to hopefully continue his streak. Like I said, not as good as the first one, but uh, it it got the main event a profile that it deserved. Well, and and arguably, uh, as we considered it to be, in, in our humble estimation, be match of the year, and I'm sure that, you know, there, there's going to be some people listening to this that, that go, you know, what the hell are these guys talking about, but, you know, since we we definitely called every pay-per-view match of the 2010 calendar year in both TNA and WWE, I feel as though we have the, the right to declare... Um, you know, Taker and Shawn Michaels as being match of the year, and I agree with the internet, David. I don't think it was as good as the match that they had at the previous WrestleMania, but considering there was no count out or DQ, um, and obviously, unless you've been living under a rock somewhere, you know that The Undertaker beat Shawn Michaels, and as a result, Shawn Michaels was forced to retire. But having said all about. Uh, all that, uh, I really thought that World Wrestling Entertainment and certainly the the crew that is responsible for the setup of the shows, of the the sound, the lighting, the pyro, the entrance gimmick, um, with a, an absolute and above and beyond the call of duty um, for WrestleMania 26 at the University of Phoenix State. And that's the, the home... ID of of the Arizona Cardinals of the National Football League. It's on the campus of the University of uh, of, uh, of Arizona um, in Glendale, Arizona. And I, I just remember that night being absolutely so electric. electric. And I remember seeing so many pictures um, the day after and the week after of some some stuff that went on there. It was it was it was electric. For many reasons, certainly the Hall of Fame induction ceremony the night before was special. Um, 
and WrestleMania from opening to close, uh, arguably, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment puts all of its time and money and effort into on a yearly basis to make it arguably and unequivocally the most over-the-top visually overwhelming show of their calendar year and this past year they did it again and, and the, the cherry on top of the proverbial cake was The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and I've known Mark Calloway, The Undertaker probably just as long as Bret Hart and I know that over the last couple of years that uh, The Undertaker and his back and his neck and I mean, he's he's no spring chicken anymore. I believe he's 44 years old now. Yeah. No wild turkey anymore. He's no wild turkey. <laughs> um, and actually, the, most people don't know this, but the the official drink of the Undertaker, unequivocally over the years, has been none other than Jack Daniels and Coors Light. And this kind of a uh, tie for top spot. Um, and he and Shawn Michaels did a much different match than they did. In the previous year, and kudos to the both of them, I thought that that match was not even close. Right. Match of the year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things came from that night. The the Brett-Sean match, as we discussed. The uh, Sean-Undertaker match. Sheamus Triple H. Sheamus Triple H. Yeah. Uh, Jack Swagger winning Money in the Bank, which we'll discuss later on. The blow-off between Rey Mysterio and CM Punk. Yes, also right. another outstanding contest. So obviously, uh, in our award listings, uh, match of the year... Sean and Undertaker, pay-per-view of the year, WrestleMania. I would even say angle of the year would be literally the Slammies of 2009 for Shawn Michaels uh, accepting the award for the for having the match of the year in 2009, saying that's what I want to do again at WrestleMania 26. Undertaker, I'm calling you out. Undertaker refusing. Shawn Michaels costing him the World Heavyweight Championship at the Elimination Chamber. Uh, I believe the next night, The Undertaker saying, okay, I'll take the match, but Shawn, only if you'll risk your career against my streak. So, uh, angle of the year for sure, as well as the match of the year. I could agree with you more. The uh, the much anticipated build up and the story that they told between the two of them and all the stipulations that you so eloquently illustrated. Um, it was absolutely fantastic, and I, I know for a fact that uh, that both Michaels and Taker had a huge input in the direction of the storyline to be played out between the two of them. All right, so here's how we called Sean and The Undertaker, round number two, the streak versus the career, WrestleMania 26, what we say is the best match of 2010 and our winner of Sunday night of the year for for best pay-per-view back to WrestleMania 26 here's how we called it as we watch The Undertaker catch Shawn Michaels in a slingshot springboard maneuver that Michaels attempted to make from the middle rope uh, Taker caught him. What was with that camera angle? Th- that was a missed spot by Kevin Dunn, and maybe he, he blew his nose in the control booth and, and hit a button by mistake going to camera 16. Yeah, probably. Uh, that was on the entrance gimmick, and then realized, ah, damn, push the wrong button, fuck. Um, anyways, and, and Taker uh, tombstone pile drove Shawn Michaels on the outside, and uh, Michaels is on his back prone looking up at the... Uh, 
now dark, Arizona sky. Now, I want to say this now. We will be taking phone calls immediately after this match, and uh, we're going to wrap things up shortly thereafter. we got we'll the be... medical technician looking at Sean. I plan on getting off the air at you know by at least uh, 11.15 Eastern, which is 9.15 Mountain Standard wow. Time. And, and the Undertaker pulls the, the EMT off of Shawn Michaels, and the EMT kind of bumped his head on the side of the retaining wall. I don't think that was supposed to happen. Well, you know, it's WrestleMania. You're bringing your A game. Injuries can and do happen, you know, right here on the grandest stage of them all. You know what, guys? I think too many of the fans are anticipating this being, being exactly what last year's was. And really, from a certain perspective, you can't expect this match to live up to that one. They're both a year older. They're both, they've both suffered a lot of uh, bumps and bruises over the last 12 months. And... You never know. They could pull out a surprise here for the next 20 minutes. Undertaker with the last ride on Shawn Michaels. He's got him up, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and watched it. Very bad attempt at a last ride. Shawn, it hardly. Like Shawn was trying to swerve out of it. Yeah, oh. Shawn went for the pinfall. Yeah. yeah, something bad happened there. That was a botch and a half. It almost looked like he here, we're going to get a replay it, on it, it right now. Yeah, you see. Oh. Sean was trying to uh, bang the taker's head into the mat. Yeah. And, and you, you really got to see it on that angle, uh, m- more so than it was a, a slipped or a bot spot. He was trying to counter the last ride by forcing Undertaker's head into the mat. As we watch, Sean Michaels go to the top rope for the big elbow, and he gets nothing but knees to his elbow. Wow. Would have been the the most beautiful elbow in the business, but the Undertaker, with his wherewithal, knew exactly what was coming, had the move scouted and hit the knee. But if you look, the Undertaker is uh, favoring that knee. So uh, maybe, in hindsight, maybe not the best decision. Oh, my God. And if you saw there, J.J., uh, his back knee or his right knee caught. Hell's as we gate. see the Undertaker go for the Hell's Gate, he doesn't have it completely cinched in. And Michaels reverses it. He's oh, had, he man. had a jackknife pin, which I thought could have been it. I still think the end finish of this match is going to be Shawn Michaels tapping out to the Hell's Gate. That I mean, you, when you look at the stipulations that were added, yeah. there has to be a pinfall or a submission. Right. And much to the chagrin of uh, David Stevens, who this past week on Unplugged had told me that he felt this was going to end in a draw, they did say on SmackDown that there had to be a winner in this particular match. And... Uh, Shawn Michaels hits sweet chin music and lays the taker out. As hard as I've ever seen him hit it. Oh. Charles Robinson, let's not forget, little Nate Charles Robinson is the king of the almost three count among WWE referees. Well, the the, the force behind the sweet chin music by Shawn Michaels on The Undertaker, Dave, second to none. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. But uh, I wasn't entirely disappointed when they fired one of the Armstrong brothers, who was the, the referee, because he uh, <laughs> he had the worst cadence of all time, because he literally reached his arm all the way back to count the three count. Bad. Yeah. Terrible. Just to answer Rick in the chat room, are they going to raise and drop the arm three times? I think they could. As Sean goes for sweet chin music, and the Undertaker catches the leg, and looks like he's going to go again for another last ride attempt. Michaels is up. On the shoulders of the Undertaker, he's got him lifted, and he hits the last ride and hits it beautifully. I think that's it. 
Oh, man. Oh, Michaels wow. kicks Not out yet. just at the last millisecond. Unbelievable action we are seeing right here tonight. About 20 minutes to the hour, so they could be going for a little while. It's amazing longer. how Shawn Michaels, uh, during that what we thought was that botched move, was actually going for a Shawn Waltman move, the yeah, kind of an X-factor that, re- reversal. That's right. And you, you saw that when when they we had the, the, the angle on the replay from the other side. Yeah, because if they had botched it, they would have never shown the replay, just exactly. like they didn't show the replay of the uh, the Batista Cena move early in that and match. Listen, to, take your headphones off for a second, guys. Listen to the crowd now. They're standing, and they're into it, and they're chanting, Taker, Taker, Taker. And, and the Undertaker is frustrated. Yes, Jerry the King Waller just said, as he tosses... The heartbreak hit Shawn Michaels over the top rope. Absolutely. Michaels now on the uh, outside floor. Undertaker very slow to get out of the ring. You can tell the Undertaker is in a lot of pain, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, regardless if he wins or loses this match tonight, we all think he is going to win. But you got to think both of these men are taking some serious time off after this match. And i got to think that Undertaker doesn't have much left in his career. He doesn't have much left. In the tank. I mean, he's in the greatest shape of his life, but at what cost? I think it's got to be over next year for The Undertaker. He's banging his own uh, quadricep, which means to me that he did hurt himself in that spot at the beginning of the match. And, uh, you know, Mark Calloway is, I believe, 46 years old. Maybe somebody in the chat could uh, confirm uh, Mark Calloway, The Undertaker's age, as he goes for the... Power bomb or the last ride. It looked like he was going to do it on the announce table and sweet chin music again by HBK on Taker. Oh, I'm calling the spot now. Taker is laying prone on the table. Shawn Michaels is about to ascend the turnbuckle and hit that beautiful elbow. elbow. Yes. Yep. It's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, right here. But I think the Undertaker is going to move because too much time is passing. Shawn Michaels has taken his sweet ass time. Getting to that top turnbuckle. Shawn Michaels using moves from Shawn Waltman and Shane McMahon in the same night. Or at least from the SmackDown vs. Raw 2010 video game. So maybe they choreographed this match before they actually came out and did it live. Did you sim this match on the game and see to see what would happen? No. I did not. Uh-oh. Can't. Great camera angle there, asshole. <laughs> Jerry Lawler's back. He hits the oh. move. And he missed the Undertaker completely. No, he hit his legs. He got the legs. Well, got the he legs. hit his legs, but that's not what Well, that's not missing do. completely, Dave. <laughs> For fuck's sake, man! The moonsault by Tri- by Shawn Michaels and uh, Taker's legs broke, according to Jerry Lawler. And according to my MVP of news and facts, Chris Kelly, Taker is officially 45 years old. Okay, uh, so I'm, I'm right. All right, CJ thank Bowman you to. Crelly for Watch that uh, pertinent piece of information. Yeah, he caught a, a shin. Leg. He caught a shin and an ankle. Here, we're getting a really good shot of it here. In slow motion. Ouch. Leg Unbelievable. Yeah. Shawn Michaels crawling on the <laughs> announce table. And, and, and no, my God, he's got a family. No, oh, my God, he's broken. Uh, hellfire and brimstone. None of that tonight. I missed that shit. Well, both of these men just putting on a valiant effort. You gotta love this. Wow. Yeah. Taker really selling the bum leg. Yeah, it was shin on shin, uh, leg on leg at that point. 
But, uh, yeah, I, I, we all figured it was going to be the elbow, but, in fact, it was the, the moonsault. But uh, <laughs> the crowd is ready for another moment. We just saw one, and there's wow. another. Bang. Michaels hits the sweet chin music, and this could be it as he goes for the pin. One, two, and the taker kicks out again. Oh, 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 man. Oh, oh, man, that was kind of hesitated if you, if you caught that. As you, look at the back look of... At the, uh, of uh, Shawn Michaels' forearm, all scraped up, Look all at the scraped front up. Row, the front row is just reacting unbelievably to these moments. He kicked out. He kicked out. He kicked out. There's your Jr. reference for the Thank night. Thank you. My God, he's got a family. He's got a family. Damn it. He's got a family. There, are you happy now? <laughs> Thank you. And Mrs. Michaels' uh, boobs look great at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Really, we day. don't need to know everything about your life, dude. Oh, man. I did want to say this. Crelly said that apparently Shawn Michaels uh, looks to be 44. So we've got somewhat of a similar age difference, 44, yes. 45. So. I think Batista is about 45, too. More sweet chin music on its way from uh, Mr. Higginbottom. He's setting up for wow. sweet chin music. i got to believe the Undertaker counters here. Yeah. Choke yeah. slam. He's got him in the goozle. And he's away for a choke slam. He goozled him. <laughs> well, at least he didn't Google him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not that there would be a laptop in the match. <laughs> there you it go. Is, it, it is you can only win via pinfall or submission. You know what I'd love to see? So, that, no, no DQ then. No, hold on a second. We're talking about Googling. I mean, what is it David Otunga is always saying? You know, Google me. I would love to see a hardcore match with David Otunga where somebody actually brings a laptop, hits him over the head with the laptop, and then actually Googles him. Yeah, that'd be not bad. Now, that would be a spot to have in a match right there. I'm telling you. The Undertaker going for the Tombstone pile driver. Looks like this could be it, and he nails the Tombstone. Michael's i, I got to believe that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Michael's is done. I'm surprised it wasn't done. Jennifer Hudson doing done. the National Anthem. Done. Done. Oh! And he wow. kicks wow. out. He kicked out. He kicked out. He kicked out. Once again, watch oh these first, watch these first couple of rows yeah. on the floor, because they'll tell you the... The real story. Holy cow. He kicked out by God. What do I have to do? Like last year. Says the Undertaker. Oh, very good match. Very good camera presence to know exactly. <laughs> to know that uh, the camera's right there for, for that reaction. What was up with the camera shot with Jerry the King Lawler right in front of it? Did you see that? Yeah, for a tenth of a second they were shooting Lawler's back or something. Well, they had to get his reaction on what was going on. Think about it, boys. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Get with the program. They're Michael's... lucky that all the, uh, all the broadcasting cables and stuff didn't get ripped out by all those table spots that they were doing. Eh. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. It won't be the last. But this is not the kind of match where you want that to happen. Taker looks very frustrated. He's, he's hit the last ride, the choke slam, the tombstone, the uh, Hell's Gate. Yeah. And everything else in between, and Michaels kicks out every time as the proverbial straps come down. The straps are down, and i got to think Hell's Gate is about to be applied to a very worn-down Shawn Michaels as he hits the cutting the throat move. Nope. Nope, he changed his mind. He sees the blood. He sees Shawn Michaels' blood That's on his own arm. Blood. Well, it could be. No, okay. that is Taker's blood. He All got right. busted open earlier. Okay. Luckily, they haven't stopped the match. From blood? From blood. Well, We've seen that before on pay-per-views. As Taker stops giving the sign for the... Uh, he yells, stay down? 
He did. He just yelled to Shawn Michaels, stay down. He doesn't want to finish this. Wow, this is quite a, a This turn. is strange. This, this is a great storytelling moment. He's put Shawn Michaels through so much punishment that he doesn't want to do anything else. But look at the look on Shawn Michaels. Yeah, He's telling me. him, finish me finish off. Finish me. Finish it off. A la Flair and, and Michaels from two years ago. When when Ric Flair told Shawn Michaels, finish me. Do it. Okay. Oh, man. There you go. And he just slapped the yeah. taste out of the Undertaker's mouth. And this will be the beginning of the end. Right now. With the Sean's tombstone. To oh, he jumped shit. up. What a, he jumped what a beautiful up. job. He jumped up and hit it so square. Good. Michaels is getting up from that, and it's over. The streak lives on. 18 and 0. And the career of Shawn Michaels is mercifully done. What a last 60 seconds, guys. As do my eyes deceive me, the number one fan of the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Has you need a, a tear you need a tissue? in his eye. Oh, I almost have a tear running down my, my, my cheek right now. This is so... Is uh, that from the onions and the cheeseburger, or... This is the... so bittersweet. You know what? What a great what? match. What a match. The what psych- a match. The psychology in this match was fantastic. Yeah. I love the fact that they really... The ending of this was great. For, for Shawn Michaels to know the end was near, and for Taker to finish this, them off... And for Taker to show mercy on Shawn Michaels, yeah. the, you know what? Damn, uh, damn good main event. Well, he, and he tonight. was giving the Arn Anderson, you're done, sign across his throat. And he looked down at Shawn Michaels and said, what do I have to do? And Michaels looked up and said, finish me. Yeah. Last and, year. We- and, and, and Taker couldn't. And to get Taker's goat, he slapped him across the face and that incited the Undertaker, to pick up Shawn Michaels and give him the finishing maneuver of Michaels' career, the Tombstone Piledriver. And from one Shawn Michaels fan to another, welcome to uh, Sunday Night Showdown. Who is this? This would be the trade-off, my friends, from Wrestling News Live. How are you? Very good, good trade-off. Very good. I'm a little bit... We're doing well, man. How are you? I don't, know, I, I don't know what to think. I mean, I don't want... I see the end of Sean's career, but what a great way to go. We, we couldn't really come up to a, a consensus because both of them were were not very good, and obviously uh, everything before and after these contests kind of lead to the horribleness of what they were when they actually happened. Uh, what's your first candidate for worst match of the year? I believe uh, March 28th. Uh, at Universal Studios was where we found this match to take place. Well, and you know what? Talk about going from the penthouse to the shithouse. Yes. And um, when, when you look at Destination X from TNA at Universal Studios in Orlando on March 28th, uh, the card from top to bottom was suspect, to say the least. The... Uh, the main event was the TNA World Heavyweight Championship with the then-champion AJ Styles against the Challenge of Abyss, which had a great finish. Yeah, there was a no contest. Exactly, yep. Wow, that, that's a really good finish. Very, very good. I just want to give a good clap to the booking department at Total Non-Functional Action Wrestling um, for that. But on the card, that was the what I consider, we, we consider to be 
And, and by the way, I just want to let all the listeners go uh, know of all the the hours at nauseum that oh, yes. you and I have taken yes, to yes. put into this show to go over the the hours and hundreds of hours of of audio footage that we have to <laughs> wade, wade wade bear it through. Yeah. Wade to wade and bear it. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Through. That's uh, terrible. Thank you. I remember yeah. that remark. Um, to, to come up with these with these categories, but you know what? There were two overwhelming matches, in my humble estimation, that definitely uh, were a tie for worst match of the year on, on Destination X back in March. Um, Scott Hall and Sean Waldman beat Kevin Nash and Eric Young, and the, the one adjective that comes to mind in that match that I was left with was awful. Yet equally as awful, and maybe even more awful, awfuler, more awful, still awful, was probably one of the worst things that TNA has ever done. And think about that statement for a second, if you would. That's true. Um, when, <laughs> when on sacrifice in May... May 16th, to be precise, at Sacrifice. The the main event was was Rob Van Dam. The then, um, well, he, he won the title won for AJ from AJ yeah. that night uh, to become the TNA World Heavyweight Champion for the first time. That match was outstanding, as I recall. Yet there was a match in that card that I think maybe was even worse than the previously mentioned Hall Waldman versus Nash and Eric Young, and that's the global champion at the time. Now the television championship is how they refer to it. Correct. But at the time, the global champion was the steroid freak himself, Rob Terry, versus the bisexual, cross-dressing... Orlando Jordan. An All-American in Olympic wrestling at Boise yes. State, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and some would say, and I remember saying this to myself in, uh, on the Sunday Night Showdown broadcast at this time, how offensive it was and how bad I felt for Orlando Jordan to portray a cross-dressing homosexual when, in fact... It was brought to my attention by many people in the chat that night that, in fact, Orlando Shorten is bisexual, which, you know, uh, to each his own. I don't have a problem with anybody's sexuality as long as you don't force it upon me, because if you do, well, I'll give you a one-way ticket to Stiff City. But anyways, um, that match was horrendous, awful, and just because of the, the two guys in not and all kidding aside, Orlando Jordan, no matter what you think of him personally, is a fantastic wrestler. He really is. And, and, and that whole scenario with Rob Terry, uh, I felt sorry for him for a number of reasons. But uh, having to carry Rob Terry, boy, he must have broken his back just doing that. Well, and, that's, uh... and, and no pun intended when I say broken his back and broke back in his same sentence. Well, I mean, Rob Terry currently, as of tape time, is now the, the new security enforcement for Immortal. So uh, he, he's one of those guys, Shark, that tells you that muscles aren't everything in this business. It can get you a long way, but it can't get you everywhere. Well, 
you know, when you look at Rob Terry, you think maybe of a young Scott Steiner. But the difference between Terry and Scott Steiner, certainly Scott Steiner at the age that Rob Terry is right now, Scott Steiner was at the time a world-class wrestler. And um, Rob Terry will never be a world-class wrestler. Um, having said that, you know, when you go back over the course of time, uh, uh, the year that was 2010, um, there were some very memorable moments and some highly forgettable moments. Unfortunately for TNA, many of the forgettable moments were on TNA pay-per-views. Exactly, and that's what Sunday Night Showdown's all about. And we'll uh, get you away from the cesspool that was uh, <laughs> the the match between Rob Terry and Orlando Jordan, and go to a, a big positive here, Shark, and that is the winning of the United States title by Daniel Bryan. But I have a candidate for most overreported issue. I'll give you two candidates, and I'll let you break the tie between it. Uh, the two biggest things that I think were overreported and overdealt with and especially overreacted by in the Internet wrestling community was, one, the firing of Daniel Bryan, the 90-day no-compete, where he could book independently, where he couldn't, and if WWE was going to maintain their own rule for hiring him back, which you, you could fire me tomorrow, and if you want to hire me back the day, the day after, there's no rules saying you can't. Uh, so the Daniel Bryan firing and rehiring and all the controversy in that is the first choice. And the second choice is the two-minute interview on the AOL FanHouse website that The Undertaker did after Brock Lesnar lost to Cain Velasquez. And, oh, my God, Brock and Taker want to beat the shit out of each other. They want to face each other at WrestleMania 27. Uh, Taker wants to go to UFC. Brock wants to come back to professional wrestling. Oh, my God, holy shit, what the hell is, is happening? A complete overreaction to a two-minute interview on a website, not even, not even on the, the post-game of the UFC broadcast with Mike Goldberg or anything like that, but just there, there's, there's your two choices. Break this tie for me because I can't tell which was a bigger overreaction by the IWC. Well, I, I really want to say about the whole Undertaker um, shoot on Brock Lesnar when he exited the octagon after getting a severe pummeling at the hands of Cain Velasquez and losing his UFC heavyweight title. And, and before I comment on that, Internet, Dave, I just want to make mention of the fact that this past week there has been a lot of speculation that, in fact, Brock Lesnar might be, in some way, shape, or form, involved in March's WrestleMania. I want to go on record as saying that to all of the IWC pundits, and people that theorize, fantasy book, and and speculate, I think is the proper terminology, because they have no basis for their speculation, yet spew their verbal diarrhea on various shows around the Internet wrestling community, some reputable, some unreputable, and you know who you are. <laughs> 
I just want to go on record as saying that Lorenzo Fratita, one of the owners of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC, today stated unequivocally in a press release through the Ultimate Fighting Championship UFC.com website that Brock Lesnar is under contract to the end of 2012. Oh, wow. Two more years. With the Ultimate Fighting Championship. In fact, he has five matches left on his contract. Wow. So, in other words, not only is he not, and, and he was very specific when he said and termed it an exclusive contract. So, IWC prognosticators, pundits, and pukes. Brock Lesnar ain't going to be at WrestleMania in March. Brock Lesnar isn't going to be doing some angle with The Undertaker. So get that out of your heads. Will Brock Lesnar at some point be back in World Wrestling Entertainment? If I had to speculate, I would say yes. At some point, when he was done, when he's done with the UFC, and, and God only knows um, if he'll ever be UFC heavyweight champion again. Gabe Velasquez laid a, a terrible whooping on him. And, and let's not forget, Brock is still a, a, an MMA rookie. And, um, you know, for many of you that have listened to Mark the Shark DiCarlo on a, an SNS radio network show that is currently on hiatus called MMA Now, and hopefully in 2011 we'll be back on the airwaves on a monthly basis with that show, and we're working on it. Um, I, I have long speculated as to what Brock Lesnar might do when he was done with MMA or when MMA was done with Brock Lesnar. Exactly. Um, I really think that his his focus is on MMA right now. He was embarrassed with how he lost the title. Um, and, and for those of you that remember the match, he, from the get-go, he was behind the eight ball. He didn't look good. Um, his strategy in the match was was bad. Uh, Kane countered uh, magnificently and, and did an outstanding job in, in, in putting the big bear to sleep. And uh, Brock Lesnar is a very proud man. Uh, he will want his legacy in MMA to be a lot better than his legacy in his failed attempt in the National Football League. Um, his, his matches that were very, very good in, in WWE were directly attributable to, the, attributable to the fact of who he was working with. Many remember the match that he had in Seattle at Safeco Field where he spiked himself on the top of the head in his match with, with Kurt Angle. Fantastic. And some of his matches in WWE were, were, were outstanding. And don't forget, he was probably 50 pounds heavier when he was in WWE than what he is now in the UFC. But having said all of that, I really think that um, Brock Lesnar will be in UFC for at least a couple of years. So uh, all the speculators give it a rest. Um, Getting back to the original question of uh, um, what I thought was the most 
over most overreported issue. Overreported issue was certainly in the IWC was the Brian Danielson Daniel Bryan scenario. However, the most overreported scenario unequivocally mainstream media, no question in my mind, was the Ariel Helwani, MMAfighting.com uh, reporter who is well respected uh, amongst uh, mixed martial arts websites, uh, news sources, and, and reporters. He is liked, Ariel Helwani is liked amongst the, the inner circle of mixed martial artists, mixed martial arts companies and, and websites and news sources, well liked by Dana White. Shodan Joe, Moro Ronaldo, uh, not that they're an authority on, on anything, but he's well liked. And the, the interview that he did when, uh, at the end of the Lesnar Velasquez fight, was simply, I think, to get Mark Calloway's perspective. Um, and he really thought that prior to interviewing Mark Calloway, that he thought that Calloway and Lesnar were friends. When in fact, if you recall the interview, Calloway made it very apparent that there was heat between the two of them for whatever reason, from what happened maybe in their in their days together in World Wrestling Entertainment. But I think, and, and I know Mark Calloway very, very well, and having read his face, he could see, he looked, his eyes moved. When he saw... Brock Lesnar exit the octagon and walk towards him, and I saw the little wheel, the little booking wheels in the Undertaker's head and his eyes go to fast forward. And when he gave those two very eloquent words, "Wanna go? <laughs> Wanna go?" And Brock looked at him and turned away and walked away as because one eye was swollen shut and he probably couldn't focus very well with the other eye at the time. The the offshoot of that, the second that it happened and even the hour that it happened in the week, two weeks that followed, was off the top and the mainstream media that picked it up. And when Daniel Bryan... Um, after he was done with NXT and being mentored and coached by The Miz. Right. Um, and the whole scenario where he was fired, um, well, choking with a tie, I believe. And that was all the silliness of the speculation. Did he get fired for, uh, for choking out uh, Justin... Justin Hawk Roberts <laughs> with a tie. Did he get fired for spitting on Cena? Did he get fired for this? When can he come back? Uh, can my local indie promoter book him tomorrow? Well, it was just stupid. It was stupid, but, you know, and, and the speculation was that he was fired for choking Justin Hawk Bradshaw Roberts. Yes. <laughs> Because of the offshoot of what the office didn't want anybody in the ring to be utilizing anything to choke as a fallout from the whole Benoit scenario. Exactly. And that is what World Wrestling Entertainment put over as the reason that Daniel Bryan was fired. 
However, there was much widespread speculation in the IWC that it was all an angle, that it was all bullshit. Yeah. Is it a work? Is it real? It 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 never ended. And and Mr. Money on the Mike J.J. Sexay was of the staunch opinion that the whole thing was nothing but a work. <laughs> and that Vince wanted to involve the IWC in the storyline of what really happened. And I think it was meticulously outstanding. Whatever. If in fact, we'll never know. No. If in fact the office did come up with this to <coughs> feed the treadmill of speculation and to eventually bring it back, which they did, I think it was brilliant. And it was way more contrived, thought out, and excellently done than the whole Helwani Taker Lesnar scenario. No question in my mind. But to answer your original question, what of the two was the most over of the two? No question. Because of the mainstream media involvement, Taker, Hawani, and Lesnar. Well, when Dana White needs to make a, a statement, so that's when you know it got out of hand. But uh, let's go back to September 19th, Night of Champions from the Allstate Arena in Chicago, as the United States Championship finally changed hands after Miz held it for, God, five or six months to that point. Uh, Daniel Bryan over the Miz to win the belt, and now, in uh, as 2011 begins, Daniel Bryan's got both of the Bellas on his arms. So, uh, Daniel Bryan's made some significant progression during 2010 leading into in the New Year Shark. And he's obviously so over with the office, Internet Dave. Not only does he have the U.S. championship belt, but how do you put over a baby face more than putting two identical twin sisters on each of his arms and him loving every minute of it and, and every, but every male... Let me clarify that. Every heterosexual male in the WWE universe wanting to be Daniel Bryan, not because he's a good wrestler, not because he's the United States heavyweight champion, but because he's got identical twin sisters and the Bella twins on his arms every show, they want to be just like Daniel Bryan. All right, well, here's how Daniel Bryan finally defeated The Miz, and won the United States Championship that he holds to this day. Beautiful near fall as they went for a backslide. Daniel Bryan almost pinned The Miz, kicked out at the very last second. Great match so far. And, uh, you know, kudos to The Miz. He's come a long, long way over the last couple of years in his wrestling ability. And certainly with the opponents that he's been working with, this as we see Alex Riley hang on to the uh, uh, left arm and wreath on the shoulder of Daniel Bryan, and of course the referee saw none of it. Um, but the Miz has, has really improved, I think, and stepped up his game uh, about 150%. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step up the game. I, that, that saying is it was reserved for everybody in TNA. No, that's... That's that's inaccurate, Shark. That would be 
raising the bar. Or raising the bar you, as feel, they step up their game. Feel free to say step up your game. Okay, all right. Because when that actually happens in this company, they actually do step up their yeah, game. And I would never say raise it's the bar. It's not cliche. I would say everybody shitty up to the bar while I buy you a drink, but I would never say raise the bar. Uh, one uh, TNA <laughs> reference that I would like to make tonight is how much I enjoyed the spot with Tommy Dramer and the members and even non-members of Fortune this last week on Impact where systematically Tommy Dreamer on the microphone put over each and every one of the members of Fortune and even uh, Matt Morgan. Um, and, and it was really, really well done. And, of course, at the end of it, AJ Styles thanked them and they collectively beat the living crop out of Tommy Dreamer. Well, while you were uh, talking a little bit about TNA, I was enjoying the match between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. And uh, I just saw The Miz hit a shoulder breaker, a move I haven't seen in a long time in this particular company. Uh, Miz really going to work on the arms of Daniel Bryan, that shoulder area as well. He's got a game plan in mind. You don't see a lot of wrestling matches these days anymore where someone is targeting a body part. And actively working it. No, and certainly the old Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson, for that matter, game plan uh, is is coming to fruition in this. And obviously, this is an attempt by the Miz and a very good game plan to uh, immobilize the upper arms of Daniel Bryan, and therefore it, it would enable or or it would preclude Daniel Bryan from utilizing and, and really locking in that well, that LaBelle lock. Yeah, I mean, they just had a yeah. whoa, big dive outside of the ring. But uh, Daniel Bryan's still selling that uh, that left shoulder. But uh, Well, he just aggravated that left shoulder. Yeah, that was very yeah. reminiscent right on the table. Of, uh, of season one of NXT when he dove out on Chris Jericho and was thrown into the announce table as he's really favoring that arm. Beautiful suicide dive, unfortunately for him. Table was right there in the way as he comes off the top rope with a beautiful suicide drop kick to the Miz. Goes for the pin and Miz kicks out at the last second. But yeah, definitely on that rest stop, uh, rest spot that they did, the human arm is not supposed to bend that way. So uh, did you see Daniel Bryan kick a field goal into Miz's head just now? Yes, definitely. fantastic maneuver. Yeah, if uh, if the trainers backstage at the L State Arena have SNS on, which we know you do. Uh, get some ice packs ready for the arm of Daniel Bryan in a few minutes. On a side note, WWE can't shut me down. I'm not on Ustream. No, no, they can't. No, they can't. Uh, I found it very interesting this week on uh, on uh, right after wrestling on the Score Television Network here in Canada uh, after Raw and specifically after uh, SmackDown this week that 20-year uh, WWE referee Jimmy Corderas, who is a uh, Canadian who lives in Toronto, was oh. on the broadcast. Uh, in more Ronaldo's spot, who is down in the States busy with Strike Force doing some MMA stuff. Um, and Corderas told some really interesting stories. Uh, and of course, World Wrestling Entertainment was in the southern Ontario area this week, and, or this past week. And uh, apparently, what he did to rib referee Charles Robinson was to get on the ClearCom or the, uh, the referee's earpiece. And, uh, and tell Charles Robinson, of course, Robinson didn't know that, that Jimmy Corderas was at the show. And, in fact, he told him on his earpiece that referees don't smile. 
And apparently after that, right in the middle about of a two and three quarters count, he goes in a and apparently Jim Corderas does an awesome impersonation of Vince McMahon and he says and I quote, If you count to three, you're fired. And apparently Charles Robinson's face turned white in the ring and then after the match when he came back and saw everybody laughing their heads off, including Corderas, he, he knew firsthand that he had been ribbed and hated it. <laughs> uh, during your story, some great maneuvers in this match. Both men now sitting on the top turnbuckle as The Miz has just made Daniel Bryan sing soprano as he's been lifted onto that top rope Whoa. and crotched. Daniel Bryan now clotheslined off the rope by The Miz. Well, you know what, guys? I mean, with Daniel Bryan's left arm not working, he still has three limbs he can use to uh, to inflict damage, and he's been doing that over the last five or six minutes. Wow, what a beautiful maneuver, as I show in the replay. Miz with a doomsday device of his own off the top turnbuckle. Daniel Bryan straddling that top rope as Miz now goes for another submission maneuver, his knee in the head of Daniel Bryan as he's wrenching back on the arm, the other knee in the back. Wow. I, I suspect that Daniel Bryan, J.J., took some time, some extra time this week to work with The Miz on some different maneuvers because th that is totally apparent to me from the way that The Miz has wrestled over the last few months to tonight. And this is about his sixth very unique, never-been-pulled-off-before uh, maneuver, uh, and it leads me to, to believe that... Uh, They've been spending some time in, in, in mapping the uh, strategy of the match out. Well, I'll say this. You know, uh, Miz has really, like I said, over the last year, the guy has, has just grown to such, you know, immense popularity. He's proved that he belongs. As he's going for that skull-crushing finale right now in the full Nelson-type maneuver. But Daniel Bryan rolls it over into a pin. Oh, so close. I thought Daniel Bryan had it right there. Yeah, that's the key. Wait, he's going for the bell lock. That's the key for for a match like this is is reversals and, and lots of near falls, lots of two counts. Oh, crap. Well, there you go. This could be it. That's it. That is it. He rolls him up with a prawn hold. Oh, oh so close. He, he wasn't far enough back on his torso. So close, as Jerry Lawler agrees with me. So close to, to winning that, that match right there. This Chicago crowd knows their technical work. This well, isn't just a, a group of marks who are here for sports entertainment. This this has by far been the best match so far. I mean, we're only a couple matches in, but... Well, hopefully Big Show oh. and Punk are, are feeling reasonably okay now that they're Ooh. back. Oh, the as Alex stage. Riley Ouch. charges Daniel Bryan on the outside. Daniel Bryan taking advantage, knocking Riley into the ring post. And uh -oh. Miz now with the roll-up. Oh, shit, I thought he had him right there. Beautifully done, though, this by the is Miz. This is, without a doubt, guys, the best uh, match in World Wrestling Entertainment I've seen in months. Well, this is the best match I've ever seen for the Miz. Yes, absolutely. And you're, like I said before, you really got to think that Daniel Bryan and the Miz have been working together, if not just together, but with some of the, uh, the road agents and putting together this spectacular match that they've had so far it'll be interesting to see how the finish goes absolutely as he's got the label lock locked in he's now got he the does. miz and he's about to tap like sammy davis jr again he's got it ladies and gentlemen he's got it locked in miz ready to tap he's holding the arm up 
He's trying, ladies and gentlemen, to get to the ropes. It's not happening. And like Sammy, he's trying to get to the rope with that one good eye. <laughs> he's trying to reach out, and he oh, taps. He, taps. Oh. he taps, ladies and gentlemen, your new United States champion, wow. Daniel Bryan. Wow. And you're still perfect. Wow, you haven't gotten that excited since uh, you uh, did your own imitation for Mr. Anderson for your for your uh, introduction. I am extremely happy to see Daniel Bryan nice. with the United States Championship. Beautiful match. As the first crowd, of all, as the crowd, yeah, it was an outstanding match. Match of the night, match of the night and, and you know what? There's a lot of matches still left on uh, the Night of Champions pay per view, JJ. But I suspect we've just witnessed. Match of the night, and I know that uh, WWE doesn't hand out like UFC match of the night bonuses, but if there was, this one would certainly get it. And uh, as they're standing in unison at the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois, the former Rosemont Horizon, uh, and JJ's clapping, and so is everybody in the crowd as uh, Daniel Bryan, a longtime Chicago performer in, uh, in, in sports entertainment and wrestling, finally achieves his pinnacle moment in world wrestling entertainment and captures the United States strap. And the beginning of the end, of course, was when uh, uh, Alex Riley got punched. Yes. Beautiful. I, you know what? I might have to watch this match again later on. This was a wonderfully done match. I'll give both guys props. They obviously worked on this. You can obviously see the training that The Miz had in submission this week. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. To, to fantastic. Pull off. Six or eight uh, brand new maneuvers in one match, as the Miz did. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, Daniel Bryan Dave went over and is the new United States Heavyweight Champion. But I was mighty impressed with the in-ring work of the Miz in this match. Absolutely, obviously, the Miz is turning into more of an all-around worker, not just uh, not just a talker. And obviously, uh, Brian Danielson is more of a wrestler, but he'll become more of a worker also with with just time and experience and can't wait to see round two of that series thing for his two partners and if you don't know who that is that's kid cash and he is being joined ladies and gentlemen by what looks to be johnny swinger and simon diamond so we've got a six-man tag starting the show off pat kinney Formerly known as Simon Diamond, and of course, Johnny Swinger teaming up with Kid Cash. Now, John, Johnny, Johnny Swinger, JJ, I think, was hovering around and, and lurking around the the wardrobe of the musketeer. Do you check out the hat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's very musketeer. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm having a bit of a, uh, a severe flashback right now, and uh, it is with heavy heart, and I, I, I really... The last couple of days, uh, I really searched the uh, the internet, YouTube, for some uh, video footage of, of back in the day when yours truly, Mark Deshark DiCarlo, in Stampede Wrestling, managed none other than the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal Sabu uh, on two separate occasions, personally against the late, great Tiger Mahatma Khan, where I went through a table, and, and we're going to find it. We're going to have the uh, the audio, and I believe that uh, Moore Ronaldo and Bad News Allen did the uh, the commentary that evening. And later on, about a year and a half down the road after that, uh, where I managed Sabu once again against uh, the former 
TNA X Division champion, Hotshot Johnny Devine. And uh, I, I watched those, and I really had some flashback moments, but no, so, no flashback moments more so than what I'm watching in the ring right now. The only thing that's missing is Joey Oh My God Styles, JJ. Unfortunately, yeah, no Joey Styles tonight. Or the quintessential stud muffin himself. Joel Gertner. Maybe that could be a surprise. Maybe. Maybe, maybe because we've been we've been assured that the the whole pay per view, except for the couple of matches that uh, that Internet Dave alluded to, the whole evening is going to be one big surprise. Okay. Well, um, can you hear me? Okay, on this, my mic seems. Oh, there we go. Okay. Basically, they didn't call him Tony Mamaluke. They called him Tony something else, and they couldn't call uh, Guido Little Guido. They called him Guido Maritato. So. Uh, obviously, the uh, the copyright machine at Stanford, Connecticut, is running up, running at full blast tonight here for a hardcore justice. Oh, so really, they, they've copyrighted Little Guido. Wow, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, then I would think that they would own the name Guido Maritato because that's the name he used in ECW. Yeah, but I think there's a, there's a bit of an angle there where Maritato is actually his real name, so they didn't copyright it. But if you look at who's refereeing and who is doing the ring announcing, oh my. Fucking God flashback. And look at it. It looks like Kid Cash fell into a vat of ink. Your buddy Kid Cash, JJ. Yes, my good friend Kid Cash. Or actually, I guess you could say uh, the well, Trey Dogs. Tell, tell him the story. Tell him the story. Well, I mean, it wasn't on my show. It was Wrestling News Live yes. with the Trey Dog. And I guess it was back in 2005. He did a, an interview on Wrestling News Live and basically ran down uh, America's Most Wanted and whatnot. And, you know, Jeff Jarrett and the rest of TNA. And the next day, on Monday, he was fired from the company. But that's, uh, again, that was uh, Trey Dog, JSK, and, you know, all the rest that were affiliated with WNL. Not really uh, not really part of my history with with uh, Wrestling News Live, but definitely relevant to the continuity of Wrestling News Live there, uh, Mark the Shark DiCarlo. And uh, back in the day, and it's archived somewhere, Internet Dave, right? I think I've got it. You'd and be able uh, to listen. I think what I'll do is I'll put the Kid Cash interview and Wasted News Live on the uh, SNS archives as well as TPS radio That'd and be iTunes. Funny. That'd be so funny. Uh, uh, Kid Cash and Wasted News Live coming very, very quickly. Now, it'll be interesting to this very interested observer uh, whether or not we're, you know, because the, the rumors were running rampant that, in fact, Danny Doring and one of my all-time favorite characters in any wrestling promotion might be putting in an appearance tonight, and that being... Roadkill. Roadkill has uh, is not going to be a part. Not, not going to be a part. Too bad. Confirmed. Confirmed this week. He will not be here. And our guest in studio reminds me a little bit of Roadkill. That's a compliment. Yeah, well, one of Roadkill will be wearing the uh, the the uh, the Austin style tights like, <laughs> like they put him in uh, FCW. You remember that? that? Yeah. Yeah. That was just sick and wrong. And and did they shave his beard as well? Uh, it was. Uh, it was nothing. He didn't look anything like he did when he was the Amish chicken fucker, uh, plucker, pardon me, on the original ECW broadcast. Isn't Johnny Swinger and uh, Tony Mamaluke looking uh, rather... Mamaluke looks good. Swinger still looks like the same, only he looks like he's uh, he's smoked about uh, 16 ounces of crack. Yeah, if you notice the uh, the set, when you walk in, there's some barbed wire and there's some, uh, some brick. 
some brick on the, uh, the, the uh, I guess, the side little uh, video screens. Yes. I, I loved on the announcement of Tony Mamaluke that he was 235 fluid ounces, and that, and that <laughs> yeah. got a huge response from the, from the crowd in uh, the Impact Zone in Orlando. Check out the lighting. This is not a typical uh, TNA pay-per-view or Impact episode. No. no. They're really trying to dumb it down, make it look very indie-feel. Very, uh, very ECW arena-like yes. in, in, uh, in Philly. Yeah, it's, South all, it's all, all like NXT where they have a two-take camera, only two cameras going. Well, Nashville, and, Italy, Tracy Smothers. And, and of course, JJ, the uh, the security tonight brought to you by... Alice? Is it? Yeah, well, look who's on the entranceway. Is it Alice? Is that... Yes! Yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, it's uh, Don West's uh, twin brother. You're right. It, it has to be. I guess they uh, must have uh, chartered a plane from Philadelphia down to Orlando for this event. That was the drop kick heard around the world as Tracy Smothers <laughs> hits a one-legged drop kick. Wow! On Simon Diamond. And obviously he forgot his uh, wrestling boots at home, so he went in and pilfered uh, a pair of boots out of Kurt Angle's locker room. Now Tracy Smothers showing that gravity does not exist in 2010. Ladies Quiet, ladies and gentlemen. Simon Diamond is about to speak. No, we can't hear him. So no, I know. Really I matter. know. That's what. That was my point. You're not missing anything. Simon has been on a diet. I think he's on the same diet as Roadkill. <laughs> wow. Have you ever seen Pat Kenny that big? Simon has a problem. Simon. Yes. Simon always had a problem. He's on. The, he's on the Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy diet right now. That's One right. of the best entrance. Maybe the best entrance music in ECW history. Simon says. Uh, Absolutely fantastic! If you can find it, find on it, YouTube, find it. If you can, if anyone of you can find it on YouTube or whatever, download it because uh, it's a great uh, classic theme song to add to your library. Now, I, I, somewhere, do, do you think that that Paul Heyman's watching this somewhere and having a good belly laugh? For all we know, he could be sitting at the at, at, at backstage on the ramp watching. For all we, for all we know, I, I think he's probably sitting somewhere. At the home of Brock Lesnar in Minnesota, with Brock and Sable, and they're si sitting having a good belly ache because you know ECW did a lot of things, but I've never seen them stop a match to cut a promo. And now they're gonna dance. Oh my God! This is this is the advantage when you don't have uh, a card listed. Is is these guys can go for any amount of time because you don't know if there's five, six, seven, or eight other matches on the list. As a very rotund Simon Diamond tries some some break dancing in the middle of the ring. Wow. And Tracy Smothers is asking for a microphone, ladies and gentlemen. This this can only mean one thing. Verbal diarrhea. Michael Jackson just rolled over in his grave. <laughs> Tracy <laughs> took out his front teeth, you know, this JJ, to do the match. Yeah, he's, he's not wearing his artificial teeth. <laughs> oh, man. We can't do better than that. Straight up, everybody dies. Tracy Smothers. Have we got some Italian music at this point? From Nashville, Italy, tell Tracy Smothers, by the way. It's a, uh, it's a suburb of Milan, if you, if, you weren't in, if you didn't know earlier. Guido Maritato, Tony Mamaluke, Big Sal, and Tracy Smothers doing a dance. And now Tracy is swimming in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop. Live on pay-per-view. Stop, ladies and gentlemen. Stop. Stop. The guy we wanted to highlight now is Seamus. 
since December 13, 2009, he has won the title twice. He obviously beat, excuse me, he beat uh, John Cena in the tables match at TLC 2009, and it's and then held the belt a second time during 2010, and now is king of the ring. Obviously, he's not the number one contender because John Morrison beat him uh, at the last pay-per-view, but in December of 2009, uh, Sheamus set that almost broke the record of uh, Brock Lesnar for quickest debut to world championship reign. And uh, he had a great year. And the match that they had at Fatal 4-Way was, was a great match. So we certainly wanted to highlight it. Well, and certainly uh, coming out of Florida Championship Wrestling, Seamus O'Shaughnessy at the time is how he was referred to by the office, um, was certainly somebody with his look and his body type and his wrestling ability that the office was hot to push, and they certainly did. And I don't think anybody, not even in the Internet wrestling community, knew the level to which Sheamus could put himself over on the microphone. I think he his mic work is nothing short of fantastic. Um, he really works the... The, the microphone well and puts himself over really well and plays his character really well and and you know some make fun of that really bad looking king of the king of the ring crown that he that he wears recently but uh, I believe that in the calendar year 2010 um, no breakout star did as well in main event scenarios better. Than Sheamus, and that would include The Miz and John Morrison and, and everybody else that was by the office pushed in a main event scenario. Uh, for those that don't know, of course, Sheamus was um, a protege of, of Triple H, and Hunter really worked a lot prior to getting hurt himself for the umpteenth time. Yeah. Um, really worked a lot with Sheamus to teach him psychology and how he should carry himself. And I think that, uh, if nothing else, uh, Triple H should be very proud of himself in the way that he mentored um, Sheamus. And, and Sheamus is definitely, um, I, I'd say, that he and The Miz and John Morrison. And, and I would throw... I would throw uh, um, Mr. Ziggles, Adolph Ziggler, in that package of breakout younger talents in world wrestling entertainment that had memorable years in 2010. Right. Uh, the Fatal 4-Way show itself was not the most memorable show of the year, and as we discussed, the concept just really hasn't worked that well of these gimmick pay-per-views. And just because you're going to have three matches, uh, both world titles and the women's, having now fatal four-way stipulations, but not even elimination match stipulations, meant that they had to book it in a three completely unique ways. And we felt at the time that it just didn't work. But this match was certainly a, a highlight. So let's go back to Sheamus winning his second WWE championship in the fatal four-way pay-per-view. 
no uh, reaction. KJ, I just wanted to make mention of the fact that I really uh, had to bite my lip and not bringing <laughs> up the fact that during our Booker T interview, I really wanted to talk about the uh, Booker T, Stevie Ray, Sensational Sherry, uh, world-famous YouTube video. And, and I didn't, and I didn't, and, and I'll, I'll pull a Barry Horowitz and, and tap myself on the back. You're happy I didn't, aren't you? Yes, yes, and I for reasons I don't even want to talk about on the show. <laughs> Anyways, back to the in-ring action, or out-of-ring action, I should say, as Randy Orton just shucks Sheamus into the broadcast position, and Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler scurry like ants with the light switch turning on. All right. All right, all right. Okay, we have uh, Travis saying that the the product is going to change after Linda McMahon is done losing Here's her election. Oh. Here's NXT. Here's right. NXT. They have hit the Hart Dynasty, and I believe Evan Bourne in the back, and they are beating the living shit. So, yeah, we're seeing the NXT rookies right here, season one, uh, the group probably known as the Nexus, as the big N on their uh, arms wouldn't fly. Right. Which I think is a great – oh, there, there goes the, uh, the Tron. I guess I'm not getting a TV compliments to WWE anytime soon now. Probably not. No. The Sharkatron 6000. <laughs> very, very funny, Dave. As we see uh, uh, Evan Bourne and the uh, and the uh, Hart Dynasty and all pummeling. And all the wrestlers saw it live on the big screen. So now it's not some pay-per-view audience thing only as, as uh, Jerry the King Lawler and Michael Cole and Matt Stryker are all running away. I, I have to assume... Uh, uh, Justin Roberts is going to be running away pretty quickly too, because here they come. Uh, here they come. And oh man, he just smoked one of the floor directors. Guys, is this what we paid forty-five dollars for? Speaking of smoke, here comes the smoke out of the stage. Well, right. you know what? Maybe tonight we're going to see who the ringleader for this is. Yeah, I know that they were talking. Chris Jericho was likely to be, but after everything that's going on with Chris Jericho right now, the fact that he is going to be doing this game show on ABC, the fact that he is on oh, a losing streak right it's now. It's not Edge because he's attacking them. I'm thinking it's maybe one of their, one of Cena's opponents to help for a distraction to get the championship. Well, here's one thing. So that, where's Sheamus and where's Orton? Well, here's one thing I want to make mention of, JJ. We talked about this during the course of the week. There's Sheamus. Sheamus, roll up John Cena, and there he is. Beautiful. Beautiful. JJ Sensei right in his quick pick that, John, that uh, Sheamus is the new champion. All right, Shark, let's flip back to TNA and the biggest hype of the year. When I think about TNA in 2010, I think of hype but not execution. They hyped more things to a greater detail this year than ever before. To me, when it comes to the Hogan-Bischoff era, they they get a break even. To me, they're... TNA in 2008 and 2009 was not much better than it is right now as we're recording this. So they haven't made it tremendously better, but they haven't made it a lot worse. Like a lot of people think, oh, this is the worst era in TNA history. I'm like, I don't think that way at all. 06, 07, 08, 09, there were a lot of things that were worse than what they're doing right now. From their big introduction, January 4th, where they got rid of the six-sided ring back to four-sided, all the hype around what they were going to do with the live shows, what they were going to do that first live show. Ric Flair comes in. Jeff Hardy comes in. Uh, they have the uh, that horrible uh, uh, cage match where uh, 
where Homicide gets stuck uh, and can't get out, and fans are calling bullshit in the first 25 minutes of the show. TNA had a lot of hype and not a lot of execution and raised people's hopes quite a bit just to really dash them. And another incident of that was Bound for Glory, 10-10-10, once a century type issue around everything that Abyss was promising, that that they were coming, they were going to take over. He had been talking about it for two or three months. Now, when it happened on 10-10-10, nobody had any idea, well, very few people had an idea. I think the Trade Dog and Concept were the only two that had it figured out. But when you think about it, from the overall year perspective, Abyss is, is uh, Hulk Hogan's best friend, and then suddenly, like the... <coughs> like the flip of a coin, flips on Hulk Hogan for no reason whatsoever and pretends to be his biggest enemy. And then, obviously, everything comes together. But even at the time where 10-10-10 occurred, it was because the three-way match that ended that pay-per-view to give Jeff Hardy the belt was the big contrived crazy finish, ref bump, uh, Hogan comes down, Bischoff comes down, who are they going to hit it? Hit in the head with a chair and all this other silliness. So they they made people anticipate a big moment just to execute it in a shitty way. And that's what they've been doing in in several cases over the last couple of years. And uh, overhyping and and crazy delivery. Well, that was uh, very well put by by yourself and, and and very truthful. And the whole 10-10-10 and Abyss playing up they, them, they are coming was an offshoot, or, or in itself, uh, was an offshoot into probably the single biggest angle portrayed by both Mr. Money on the Mic and the Trey Dog on this very network. We are they. They are them. They are them. We are them. They are they. We are they. Was highly comedic, very well done, very funny, and I remember that Trey Dog and and. And J.J. had played it out so meticulously that some had thought that both the Trey Dog and J.J. Sexay were going to be at Bound for Glory in Daytona Beach and were going to be reporting on the events because, of course, they were them. Exactly. Not to be confused with Hogan and Bischoff and whoever they might have been when, in fact, they let the world know on this very network that, in fact, they were they. Worldwide exclusive. And as it turned out, it was all a prefabrication. It was all a work. They weren't they. They were actually them. And them were J.J. Sexay and the Trey Dog. But funny, oh my God, the two of them, when they get going on Wrestling News Live or on any other show on the network, I don't think that Avin Costello, um, Laurel and Hardy, the Smothers Brothers, 
um, Vince Vaughn and Kevin James, Adam, <laughs> Adam fucking Sandler and, and David Spade can hold a candle to the comedic genius that is the Trey Dog and J.J. Setsay. Now, having said all of that, and by the way, I expect the checks of gratitude from both the Trey Dog and J.J. Setsay will be in the mail as soon as they hear the soliloquy that I just gave them. And by the way, you can have half the checks. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, 10 10 10 was supposed to be Bound for Glory, the, the granddaddy of them all in the pay per view calendar of TNA. And in my humble estimation, it was a bunch of monkey doo doo. It was shit. And and I, I didn't I don't like Generation Me, Max and Ruby. Uh, I think that they're, they're a waste of fucking skin. Oh, they're 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 bumping pillows for the Motor City machine guns, which I I really like the guns. I think that both Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, Chris Saban, thank you, are outstanding as a tag team and arguably in any league tag team of the year, except for maybe. The Briscoe Brothers and Ring of Honor, but that's a conversation for another day. And I would pay money out of my pocket. And you know how short my pockets are. Uh, I would pay money to one day see the Guns and the Briscoe Brothers in in, in a match somewhere. But having said all of that, um, 10 10 10 for me was a huge letdown. Um, the aforementioned tag team championship match between the Guns and Generation Me. <laughs> Uh, the TNA Knockouts Championship, Mickey James' special guest referee, when, when Tara beat the then champion Angelina Love, uh, Velvet Sky, Madison Ray to win the title, Ink Ink beat the cross dressing Lady Gaga, Orlando Jordan, and Eric Young. The X Division Championship, which wasn't bad actually, I remember that match succinctly, and Jay Lethal. Uh, uh, beat Doug Williams, and the two of them put on a what I consider to be a four-and-a-half-star match, and arguably match of that night. Rob Van Dam and Abyss in a Monsters Ball match, predictable. The handicap match, Sting, Nash, De Niro beat Samoa Joe and Jeff Jarrett, yawn. Lethal Lockdown, AB 2.0 um, against Fortune, whatever. However, the main event, the TNA World Heavyweight Championship match between Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, and Mr. Anderson, um, that is when Jeff Hardy won the TNA World Heavyweight title. The title was vacant at the time. Well, and that was another kind of silly aspect of it was uh, Abyss supposedly used Janice to uh, destroy Rob Van Dam so he couldn't compete. So they took the title belt away from him. And then in the September pay-per-view, they had uh, Final Resolution. They had, excuse me, no, that's... The September pay-per-view was no surrender. Right. They had the two semifinal matches, Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy fighting to the time limit draw, which was a very good match. And uh, Mr. Anderson defeating D'Angelo De Niro, where uh, you said it was a show with no 
no main no event. event. But you, you had referenced the fact that you thought that there were two main events. Uh, I didn't like the whole thing at all. But the, the so, whole yeah, it was a two-month build-up, and Van Dam didn't even get a chance to redeem himself because Abyss used Janice to, to rip his flesh just to vacate the belt for two months. So it was a, it was like a 60-day countdown to this one moment, and then it was just Bischoff and Hogan feigning uh, hitting guys with a chair so that Jeff Hardy could make this oh-my-God heel turn. Well, and, and Dave, the scenario was that the powers that be, and if you pull it, if you put the powers that be at TNA's brains collectively in a jar of formaldehyde, some would say that the formaldehyde would leave. Because whoever, whoever thought in their wildest dreams that it was a good idea to put over as their champion a drug dealer who was charged with felonies, and I'm, I'm not kidding at all, who's likely to plead guilty, who, who has said he was going to plead guilty and throw himself on the mercy of the court. And I can't believe that any court that would have any due diligence and conscience on behalf of the judge not give Jeff Hardy jail time. This isn't the first time that he's been caught with a, an exorbitant amount of, of drugs. And you can go on the Internet and, and, and look and see specifically. It was not for personal use. You don't have 210 capsules of Percocet lying around unless you're going to a birthday party with Jimmy Anvil Nightheart and Rob Van Dam. Oh, did I just say that? Oh, boy. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Actually, I'm not. Um, having said that... Um, you know, you really got, and, and really, uh, Jeff Hardy should go to jail. Whether he does is another story. There might be some backhanded dealing and, and throwing himself on the mercy of the court. But, um, you know, TNA knew damn well that he had this court case coming up. And the, 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 the general public in the TNA, for lack of a better term, universe, and IWC and fans that are in the know were well aware because it was, uh, you know, it was it was done widespread over the not only uh, wrestling community but mainstream media picked up on it right away. I can't believe in my wildest dreams that the powers that be at TNA, knowing this, would a use him. If it was me, I would have left him on the sidelines and said, you know what. When the, when the whole court case is done, get a hold of us. We'll decide whether we're going to use you. But, no, they didn't. They, they, regardless of what was going on, they decided not only to continue to use Jeff Hardy, but put him over as their champion. Boy, that sends a really good message to their fan base. And if you want to articulate and, and pick out the single dumbest thing that was done in the world of sports entertainment and professional wrestling in the calendar year of 2010, Dave, unequivocally in my humblest estimation, in my opinion, that was it. 
All right, well, let's take you back to 10-10-10, Jeff Hardy winning the TNA World Heavyweight Championship with a little bit of help from his friends, uh, Immortal and Fortune, as uh, <laughs> everybody came to help. And as it turned out, as we all found out, they were not them. Let's go to it right now. Well, Dave, look at the entire first row. They're looking at the entrance gimmick. Exactly. Oh, oh, Eric Bischoff I with think, a chair. I think it's the beginning of the unveiling of who they, them, pardon me, them. Be. Who is that voice in the background there? I, I really don't know. I wonder, I think he's not only making a sandwich, he's actually eating the whole fucking sandwich. Well, the kitchen table's not too far from here. No, so that's that true, that's sense. true. Oh, jeez. Hogan. Eric Bischoff in the ring about to whack somebody with a chair. And the music oh, is playing. Fuck. I said earlier that Hulk Hogan yesterday was released from the hospital as we see Hogan's music playing. And here he is, the Hulkster on crutches, about to enter the ring area with uh, at least one former member of ECW security. Absolutely. it's. It, I don't know what to expect here. This is... And Hogan, Internet Dave, is making out like he is disgusted with the events of Eric Bischoff and what he's going to play out here. It, where is Mr. Make Me a Sandwich? We really need well, him. Obviously, this is a critical part of the goddamn pay-per-view, and he's out having a sandwich. I'm right here, motherfuckers. Oh. I never went anywhere, you dumb shit. Oh, shit. Obviously, Hogan has been watching Impact from his hospital bed and has figured out that there might be an issue with Eric Bischoff. As Hogan is about to turn, not so, on Eric Bischoff, but on the crowd here at the TNA, uh, he can hardly walk for glory. You think you, so? What you're expounding, JJ, is in fact you think this is all a swerve and a setup and the beginning of them. Uh, this is such a fucking contrived finish. We kind of figured this was going to happen. It's going to be Bischoff and Hogan being the head of them, an angle. Is about to get screwed over here. You think there'll be a by new Mr. Name? Anderson? You think there'll be a new name for them? Yeah, the NWO. You know what? Not at Starcade 1999, people were criticized, be, uh, and the powers that be were criticized because of the finish between Bret Hart and Goldberg reverting back to Montreal. This could be reverting back to Bash at the Beach. Oh, we got one crutch, Speaking two crutches. Chef Hardy. In the middle between Hogan and Bischoff, I smell a double crutch chop to Jeff Hardy momentarily. Or is Jeff Hardy going to be part a crutch chardo, if you will? A, a crutch chardo. He gives the crutch to Jeff Hardy. Both oh, men man. setting up what the, the fact. What the fuck is this? Two shit? words: slow motion. Angle is about it's... to hit the angle. Oh slam. yes, indeed. Oh my God! Jeff Hardy, Hardy wants that belt. Hogan's not shocked. Bischoff's laughing. That was awesome, he said. Has Jeff Hardy ever been a heel? Well, I guess in... Uh, not very well. Not very well at all. I guess whatever you call... Uh, Hogan and Bischoff, guys, with the Scott Hall double finger pointing. And there it is again. And Jeff Hardy, part of them. I don't know yet. Jeff Hardy is about to win the TNA World Heavyweight Championship right here. 
as he hits the twist of fate on Mr. Anderson as Bischoff and Hogan pull in Brian Hebner to make the three counts. One, two, as Bischoff is kicking Hebner as he's making the count. Wow, he's beating him like a government mule. (laughs) That was fucking awful. Jeff Hardy now becomes one of only a few people to be a WWE World Champion and now a TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Bischoff has the mic. You think that they'll bring out Abyss and, and, re, and reveal that, in fact, that Abyss is part of them? Uh, quite frankly. I don't think so. Maybe. I, I wouldn't have thought Jeff Hardy. Time left. I wouldn't have thought Jeff Hardy. Not really. Usually the show's over by now. It's usually over at 45 after. We're talking uh, 52 past. Here comes Jeff Jarrett. Here comes a smiling comes Jeff Jarrett. And here comes Abyss as well. And the cat is out of the proverbial bag. It was a setup all along. And Abyss has been talking about, with all due respect, them over the last few months. And it's all come to hey. fruition. It's all come full circle because let's not forget that the original disciple in TNA of Hulk Hogan was none other, Dave, than Abyss. Well, don't forget that the whole uh, issues during the summer where Abyss had Hulk Hogan's WWE uh, Hall of Fame ring, and it was like the greatest Uh uh, possession he could ever have, and uh, Abyss is hugging Jeff Hardy as Rob Van Dam's into the ring. Rob Van Dam questioning Jeff Hardy at this point. As what are you doing? What are you doing? I, yeah, this will be the setup for the feud. Hogan spoke at Bash at the Beach, but I don't think anybody's going to get on the mic tonight. Bang! As RVD gets slapped right across the top of the head with that TNA World Heavyweight Championship. And I don't think Abyss's last match was tonight. As they're going, off, to Impact. As, as they're going off the air from Bound for Glory. And you know what? As it turned out, I'm liking what happened. I really am. I'm liking the heel turn of Jeff Hardy. His He's obviously not going to jail because they wouldn't have put the strap in him no. and involved him in a new heel faction if he was. And I'm liking the fact that Hardy is now a heel and now the champion. I think that storyline-wise, this could be something big, and it's going to be... It's going to be a good thing. The only problem I have with this, Mark the Shark to Carlo, and we're going to take yes. we're going to take a couple phone calls here momentarily before we wrap the show. So the phone lines will be open five zero one five eight eight seven nine five seven. My problem with this is this should have been Anderson in this role. Jeff Hardy is not a credible heel. He's not a guy that can play a heel convincingly. Um, he needs to be a babyface. Quite honestly, uh, when you look at Angle and Hardy as the top babyfaces in the company with RVD. That really makes more sense than a guy like Anderson, who, yeah, he's over, but he's more suited to being uh, a heel wrestler. So I have a lot of issues with the way they contrived this finish. I, you know, it did get predictable. I think we all had a feeling that Hogan and Bischoff and Jarrett were going to be involved in this. So really, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know. If this was what the they was all about, the more appealing version of they were myself and Trey. With that said, Walkie, uh, we actually are bringing somebody else on the phone lines right now. Um, I believe my partner in crime, the other half of they, not to be confused with them, which consists now of Jeff Hardy, Jeff Jarrett, Hogan, Bischoff, and Abyss. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The man who was backstage at Daytona Beach tonight, the Trey Dog. 
Let me bring it down for you like the Pope. Let me tell you, Daddy, about the reason why the Pope is in this group against the better wishes of his congregation. Everybody thinks that TNA is overrun by heels right now. Well, let me explain this to you. I said it in the chat room before during the show. I said it before the show. I tried to call JJ and I left a message for him because this hit me this afternoon. I love this. I don't care if this blows up and the entire internet wrestling community takes a giant shit on this. This has already worked. And the reason I say that is I said it on Wrestling News Live. I've said it for weeks. What if these Hogan videos are all bullshit and he's really not hurt? They have done a wonderful job of keeping him off television, feeding the Internet just enough of these little dumb videos, one of him even taking a shit. And every dirt sheet, every so-called wrestling guru, everybody that works for the torch, everybody that works for a wrestling website that covers news and copies and pastes somebody else's news, bought this shit like a big mouth bass in the middle of my pond. And every motherfucker listening to my voice bought into this shit and it hit me Thursday night when they finally brought it on TV. When they showed Hulk Hogan in the hospital. And I'll tell you where it hit me. And how AJ didn't catch this. No offense, partner, but you're usually the first motherfucker to jump on something like this. How you didn't catch this, and I don't know how you missed it. You must have blinked. They showed it again in the pre-show tonight. The telltale sign was Hogan's new girlfriend trying to act concerned. Okay, yeah, I must have missed that. Actually. I looked right at that shot of her pretending to be upset, and I thought, uh-huh, this is a fucking swerve. It's all a work. Well, now, honestly, earlier tonight, I did kind of feel like um, that Bischoff had had Dixie Carter sign something that she didn't know what she signed this past Thursday night, so... I've kind of I've been of the mind that Bischoff was going to be involved in whatever was going to happen. I had given thought to Hogan possibly being fake in all this, but you know I didn't catch on to certain things. But I think it's safe to say I knew something was going to happen. Well, here's the interesting thing: not only have they already won because they swerved, I, it wouldn't be so bad if they swerved us, the the the, the fans and the radio shows and guys like Walkie who are pretty on time and analytical, they know what they're fucking watching, they don't get swerved often. But they got every motherfucking website out there that reports news. They were putting up every goddamn video that Hulk Hogan sent in and were sitting there with a knife and a fork waiting for more. Feed me. That's true. Feed me. Go on. Give me more videos, Hulk. Give me more videos. And then everybody and their fucking brother dogged Hulk Hogan and said how stupid this company is that allow a guy to take a shit and send it to the news site and let them post it. And my response was, well, how stupid were you for fucking watching it? But you did, 
Okay, but Trey, I'm I'm still a little confused as to how this is a good thing. Again, we've got too much heel heavy stuff going no, on in this company. You don't. Think of everybody staying attacked. As he told you, they were coming and they were gonna be a cancer. Everybody he attacked, excluding Samoa Joe, for getting into the fight for the wrong reasons, like Kevin Nash told him, and Sting said, you're in the wrong fight, you're just in the way, this has nothing to do with you. Sting attacked Hulk Hogan, part of the group. Jeff Jarrett, part of the group. Eric Bischoff, part of the group. Abyss, part of the group. He told you they were coming, and they were a cancer. And they had a hidden agenda. Kevin Nash got on board. Who did he attack? Hulk Hogan. Eric Bischoff. Jeff Jarrett. So let, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, Trey Doug. So with what you just expounded and explained so very eloquently, do you foresee and theorize the fact that the Kevin Nash, Pope D'Angelo De Niro, Sting faction might in fact be a new babyface faction? 150 fucking percent, because they told you they were trying to save the company from the cancer that was coming. The reason they didn't let Pope in the title picture after his loss was because he would throw a monkey wrench into their plans. That's one more guy they got to take out. And he realized it and aligned himself with the two guys that were trying to cut the cancer out. Well, so the that, that would make and sense. Yeah. And Nash are all now the new NWO black and white baby face group in a in a, in a wrestling faction in a wrestling company that has two or three different factions. They're the good guys. They said on ten ten ten, you'll find out who wears the black hats and who wears the white hats. And Sting did say that. And we found out tonight that they're wearing the white hats, and them, they, are in fact the bad guys wearing the black hats. I say go, Natty, go. I think Natty's going to finally put Lay Cool out to rest, beat them both, um, because, well, I have to say... Michelle McCool and Laylove improved as wrestlers. Natty is stiff as hell, and I hope she goes to town and beats the shit out of them. Internet Dave. You know what? I uh, I like Lay Cool being the champ, so I hope they have a long, long title run. They've already had a significant time with the championships, and I hope it continues because because it's a it's a great concept, and we don't have a lot of long title holders in this company anymore so yeah, a lot of heat in the in the sns studio well, even, that day. even the masses uh listening on the exterior studio speakers outside uh got up in arms about about dave's comments right there wow yeah people are mad at you dave you got some heat going on in here plus i think it would be really cool to say that um i wrestled the current diva champion yeah diva champion that'd be neat uh it would be cool. And so, I saw them wrestle each other. No, and I've seen matches of them wrestling each other, so I can verify that as well. Uh, as far as my pick goes, I'm going to go with Natalia. Uh, I think that after everything she's gone through, she's been 
on the short end of the stick every time, um, you know, it's she's due. It, you know, the fact that she's got a two-on-one handicap match, I think she's going to overcome, and we're going to have a new Unified Divas champion. It's going to be somebody that we're proud of, and that would be Natalia, Dave. Absolutely. I'd be ecstatic if she uh, <clears throat> won the Divas title just like I was when the uh, the Hart Dynasty won the tag team titles. It would be absolutely fantastic, and uh, I hope it really does come through, but my pick is my pick. So, you know what? We talk more... That's a good line. My pick is my pick. Uh, we talk about more classic uh, WWE Survivor Series matches and concepts. Back to 1987, where th- there was a women's five-on-five match. And see if you can recall some of these names. The Fabulous Moolah, obviously. Rockin' Robin. Velvet McIntyre. Velvet McIntyre. No <laughs> relation to Drew. No, that's right. And the Jumping Bomb Angels. Uh, from oh, Japan. We don't speak a very good English. We the jumping bomb angels. Defeated Sensational Sherry, uh, the Glamour Girls, Leilani Kai and Judy Martin, Donna Chris- Christian Ello, Donna Christianello, and Don Marie. The, I guess wow. the first Don Marie. Not to be confused with Don Marie. Yeah, not to be confused with. I He's- take people's money and give it to myself when I'm trying to collect for. Charities for professional wrestlers, Don Marie. Yes, let's make sure that we verify that, please. And Dave, the uh, the cross section of uh, of women wrestlers that you you just read out there is is astounding to me. I had some young ones and some old ones and some in between ones. I haven't heard the name Velvet McIntyre in many years. She was uh, a girl originally from Seattle, Washington, who uh, made her mark in the former all-star wrestling promotion out of Vancouver under the tutelage of none other than uh, Diamond Timothy Flowers and uh, oh Al, and Sergeant Master Al Tomko. She was a hell of a wrestler, actually. Sharpshooter is locked in as Natalia. Wow! Oh! And, yeah! oh, she did it! That was a little weird because, no, I mean, she didn't have it locked in that long. Yeah, and, baby! And, and, and there was there was Michelle tapping like... Sammy Davis, as we give a big clap out to uh, Natalia. Natty's beside herself. And and is legitimately, I believe, overcome with joy and nostalgia and is crying in the ring uh, as she has just won her first ever major WWE championship in the Divas title harmony. When you mess with the best, you die like the rest. Yeah, baby! Barry goes for the pin, but uh, Cena kicks out at uh, right close to three. I just I find it interesting that we had the WWE locker room come out, empty the Nexus. I think that was beautiful yep. to see that uh, that interaction. That was some good booking, yes. But at the same time, I'd like to see Barrett go over here, but it wouldn't surprise me to see John Cena pull out the win. I mean, he is Superman as he goes for a gut-wrench suplex, beautifully done. That's one of the best moves I've ever seen Cena do. In his tenure, he's added a seventh move to his arsenal. Well, and, he now and, has a drop kick and a gut wrench suplex, right. ladies and gentlemen. So two out of the seven maneuvers are actually JJ wrestling maneuvers. Yes. 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 I mean, a five knuckle shuffle is not really a, a wrestling maneuver. Well, it kind of is. If you consider the people's elbow a wrestling maneuver, then All you right. have to consider that. As he goes for the attitude adjustment, does Cena? Uh-oh. Barrett 
counters into a butterfly suplex of his own and goes for the pin. One, two, and Cena kicks out right at two. Well, you talk about groups that split up, and I mean, really, in the last couple of weeks, CM Punk has not really needed the services of the Straight Edge Society. Obviously, uh, one of them is injured right now. Joey Mercury's injured, but does this mean another pack repackaging of Luke Gallows? I mean, who knows what happens? Yes, perhaps, perhaps Slam Master Jay will return and uh, Jesse and Festus will come back. God help us all. A resurrection of Festus may- is certainly something we can do without. Well, well maybe, maybe they'll make Luke Gallows the hip-hop hippo. <laughs> oh, wait, they've well. done that before. I think that'd be a great gimmick for him, the yeah. hip-hop hippo and Slam Master Jay. <laughs> then you can put Crime Time back together and... Oh, yeah, hasn't that been a tremendous you, success? You can put that shit on Front Street, man. Just think about that. Wow. Yeah, the splitting of... Uh, the splitting of of crime time worked really well, didn't it? It got both of them much more over than they were as a team. They've got them both one-way tickets back to Florida Championship Wrestling. Well, although if, if you do, JTG is still at, uh, Go ahead. JTG is still with SmackDown. But. Well, I mean, the good news is if you're a fan of Shad Gaspard, you should pick up the uh, the new SmackDown versus Raw 2011 video game when it hits stores. Uh, October 26th, one of the DLC packs that come out for the uh, for the for the game, and you know specifically, is a alternate attire for Shad Gaspard. So there you go. <laughs> if you were a Shad Gaspard wow. fan, wow. you are going to get treated to a, an alternate attire for when Crime Time broke up for Shad Gaspard. I mean, complete with new music and outfits. So if you're a Shad Gaspard fan, you've got everything you wanted from SmackDown versus Raw. Well, this 2011. Sorry, Shark. This question might be a bit of a spoiler to the result of this match, but but uh, is there going to be DLC for the Nexus? Uh, yes. The final DLC pack, I think, or no, wait, the second DLC pack is going to consist of uh, Wade Barrett, David Otunga, and Justin Gabriel as downloadable content. You do have to pay for that. And that's because they were the final three uh, members of NXT oh. Season 1. And that's why they are being uh, allowed as a downloadable content package. They will not, however, probably be in their Nexus gear, just their regular NXT attires from Season 1. Just due to timing, probably. Well, uh, yeah, it's all about timing. I mean, you got to remember, when they're doing uh, you know, the roster for the games, usually you have around WrestleMania as the cutoff date. And you know, nobody at THQ knew that the Nexus was going to be this big deal. So, uh, you know, at least you're getting the final three from NXT Season 1. And I'm pretty sure that the creator wrestler is, is, you know, well improved that you can make any member of Nexus that you'd like. I mean, Skip Sheffield would be pretty easy to make. Just a big, you know, uh, redneck-looking muscle, you know, juice freak. Pretty easy to make. Alabama Slammer is administered by uh, Actually, that was the Sicilian Slice. Okay, that too. Top rope rocker dropper. Yes, a number a number of names it's been over the years, but the I find I find that the uh, the famouser the flying famouser uh, off the top. <laughs> but anyways, um, I find it very interesting that the downloadable content option on a video game has now been incepted. What a great way to update a game through its release and uh, have the, uh, the the players download new updatable content for the video game is I think brilliant. Well, you know, I do too, and, and I, when I had Marcus Stevenson on the show for the Causecast uh, a couple Tuesdays ago, uh, one of the questions I asked him would be, I would be okay if they didn't do a yearly title, if they did uh, a SmackDown versus Raw game. Wasteland by Wade Barrett on to John Cena. Good this could night. be it. 
Oh, no. wow. Cena kicking out. There must be a hole in the ceiling. The sun is shining down on Superman, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I mean, Cal L lives. Two weeks ago, I said that I was never going to pick against Cena ever again, and I have picked against Cena on pay-per-view tonight. I'm going to slap you. I just hope that I, I don't regret it. Every time you pick against Cena, Dave, he wins. Exactly. So that could only mean one thing. Well, every time I picked for Cena, he wins. So uh, anyway, back back to my topic uh, with Marcus Stevenson. I asked him, I, you know, I said, I would be okay if you guys didn't do a yearly title, uh, but if you supplemented, say, downloadable content for a full year, and there's the attitude adjustment. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Out of nowhere. But Wade Barrett kicks out. Yeah, the, the, he kicked out. The give, he kicked out, the, ladies and gentlemen. The giveaway was uh, Barrett, when he lifted his, his right hand onto Cena's shoulder, you know he was going to push out. By God, I don't believe it. You're not going to have a coronary tonight, are you? I was channeling JR. He kicked out. He kicked out. He kicked out. My God. Well, you know what? We don't need JR on WWE programming. If you need your weekly JR fix, simply tune into the SNS Radio Network. How many people in the history of John Cena doing the FU, the attitude adjustment, how many people have kicked out of that maneuver? Nobody. I think Triple H has once or twice. I think so. Maybe John Cena did, or not John Cena, maybe uh, Shawn Here Michaels it is. did. Here it is. The STF locked in the middle of the ring, but Wade Barrett is crawling to the ropes. And people in the front row automatically look to the entrance to see if anybody's going to run down. Don't, don't he's you a dare. long way from the, from the rope. Oh, I thought he was about to tap. People still looking to the entrance. Who is it? Oh, it's, it's a somebody. fan. It's, it's a, a fan. fan. It's a fan. It's a fan. Wow. Oh, it's Ted DiBiase's younger brother. It's a plant. No. It's no, a plant. No, it's not a plant. Oh, it is, it a, is plant. a plant. And that was Husky was that Harris. Husky that Harris? Was Husky Harris. Husky Harris. It was a worked plant. That was Husky Harris. It was a worked plant. And John Cena is a member of Nexus Lane. Thank and God. Husky Thank Harris. God. No. interfered in the match. And, and the, the kids are so upset. And you know what? The plant, the plant is not being pulled off. He is now being the plant es- was Joe escorted. Henning. The uh, plant was Joe Henning. You think so? I think it was Joe Henning. The men are ecstatic. The women and the kids are starting to get really upset. That wow. was brilliant, WWE. That was that was very good, very very good. As uh, as JJ and ID as JJ and ID are clapping profusely here in the uh, worldwide studios, and here comes the rest of the members of Nexus to celebrate. A guy who had a very interesting 2010 was the rated R superstar. Now, after an Achilles injury that took him out for a significant time period, I believe Edge came back a little bit too early, and he did appear in the Royal Rumble. He was the big surprise, oh, my God, what is he doing here announcement, and he won the Royal Rumble, and he eliminated John Cena to get that victory. So the... He was well on his way at the beginning of the year. So we go to WrestleMania 26 from Glendale, Arizona, and Edge and Jericho was the World Heavyweight Championship match on behalf of the SmackDown brand, and all the talk about Royal Rumble winners is that they made event WrestleMania. That did not occur in this case. I believe Vince and the rest of the uh, audience 
knew that not only was Sean and Undertaker going to uh, main event, but that Jericho and Edge simply weren't ready for that large of a of a build up, which is probably why it was done on SmackDown rather than on Raw, and why Jericho was fed the belt uh, at Elimination Chamber just so that The Undertaker would not have the title. So that was not the greatest match in the world at WrestleMania 26. That was kind of a low light of that evening. We moved to Extreme Rules on April 25th, and he defeats Chris Jericho in a steel cage match. Neither one of their uh, best cage matches, and it really still looked to me and to the SNS crew at the time that Edge had been coming back a little bit too early and that maybe a couple more months uh Away from, away from the ring may have helped him uh, long term. We moved to uh, Over the Limit, where he had a match with uh, with Randy Orton, where it had to go to a double countout simply because Randy Orton, in a highlight of the of the year, basically wrecked his his shoulder and his and his elbow and his forearm with his uh, his with his big signature move to set up the RKO. That was a significant moment. So that really kind of stunted Edge, and everybody's like, oh, that was a horrible match. No, it wasn't. Two guys who bust their asses got hurt legitimate. One guy got hurt legitimately, so shut the hell up. Um, Edge uh, went to the Fatal 4-Way on June 20th and was defeated as Sheamus uh, defeated him Randy Orton and John Cena, as you heard earlier in the broadcast, as we were highlighting the year of 2010 for Sheamus. Then, at Money in the Bank, the Miz defeat. The Miz was the Raw Money in the Bank winner, and Edge was involved in that match along with Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, John Morrison, Mark Henry, Evan Bourne, and Ted DiBiase in a match where there shouldn't be eight guys in a in a Money in the Bank. That's for sure. Uh, we moved it to uh, SummerSlam, where Edge once again was part of the uh, elimination matches. Team WWE defeated uh, defeated the Nexus. The six-pack elimination match at uh, Night of Champions. Randy Orton won the title, and Edge was involved in that. They trade Edge from SmackDown to Raw to SmackDown. He defeats Jack Swagger at Hell in a Cell. He is part of the successful uh, elimination match as uh, Team SmackDown defeated Team Raw at Bragging Rights. He fought the uh, he fought Kane to withdraw for the World Heavyweight Title at Survivor Series, which then, of course, led to the the, the recent World Championship victory in the four-way at TLC, which was a very violent match. Uh, Edge had a very interesting year. And it took him a while to get back into the groove. But once he did, he looked as good as he ever did. And uh, this TLC match, like he said in the promos afterwards, probably took significant time off of all four of these guys' careers. But right now, heading into into the new year, he's uh, he's the leader on SmackDown, and he's the leader on the show he, he should be on. He should be on the Friday night. Sure. Well, you know what? Um, it was an interesting year, Internet Dave, as you uh, chronologically took us through the year of Edge. Um, some would say that, like you, like you stated, that Edge came back too soon. 
from a really debilitating injury, and I've known Edge for many, many years, going back to the days that he was trained here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, by not only Brett Hitman Hart, but uh, longtime Stampede uh, Wrestling North American Heavyweight Champion, and uh, Longtime trainer of many, many wrestlers, uh, none other than Leo Burke. And I remember when Edge and uh, um, and Christian and Mark Henry, for that matter, were were training with with both Brett and, and Leo Burke, and they were hanging out at a particular night spot uh, uh, on a regular basis. And, and great, great young guys, and and it, it's been very. Interesting for me to see the growth and the uh, the progression of the career of Edge, and I really and I've stated this on many times on Sunday Night Showdown over the course of the year that I really personally don't think that Edge looked looks great recently. He's not been uh, very muscular and not been as toned as I've seen him over the course of of the years, but. Uh, you know, we all grow older, and uh, his in-ring work is still meticulous and very, very good. Um, and and it's nice to see him back on the brand that he helped push from the beginning, and that was that SmackDown. And uh, obviously, the Office thinks enough of him to put the SmackDown strap on him for the. Time. Yeah, 10th or 11th, I think so. And, uh, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see whether they leave him as the beloved babyface champion or whether they're going to mess around with his character some more. I don't recall anybody. Um, well, yeah, he had more turns this year than a Dudley does. Oh, he had more turns than... Uh, um, than Paris Hilton at, at a at a nightclub in in Las Vegas, uh, pretending she has gum in her purse. <laughs> pretending she has a condom in her purse. But anyways, um, you know, you, you never quite know what the office is going to do with Edge. And uh, no matter what they've done with him, he's always done a really good job. And uh, you know, stellar year for for Edge in 2010. You just don't know how long the body can continue to survive at a uh, uh, a very high pace of, of amount of bookings and amount of matches that he is going to have because he's had a, a recent history of some severe uh, physical trouble. Okay, well, obviously the big, big, big highlight for Edge was his limited but memorable moments in the 2010 Royal Rumble as we're about a month away from the 2011 version. Let's go back to uh, Edge being the big surprise and winning the second big surprise, the the 2010 Royal Rumble, which of course led to uh, his title match at WrestleMania. Here's how uh, SNS called the Royal Rumble match from 2010. I'm still thinking that the odds-on favorite is HBK. Attitude adjustment delivered to uh, Y2J nice. by John Cena, who <laughs> gets hit with a DDT by Shawn Michaels. And Michaels going up for the top rope for the Macho Man elbow. No, no, he does a, a much better elbow than the Macho Man ever did. Oh, Shawn Michaels has the prettiest elbow drop in the history of professional wrestling. Macho looks awkward when he does it. 
I mean, Sean sets it up perfectly. He looks awkward, period. He looks like Santa Claus. Yeah. Michael setting up for the sweet chin music. Understand the TNA is going to have a world television title return, Dave. Kofi's about to get hit with sweet chin music. Hockey Talk Band will be putting the title on the belt against Macho Man. Kofi hits the (laughs) trouble in paradise. To Shawn Michaels, wow. who was going for the super kick, and wow. Kofi has Kofi. just been attitude adjusted out of the Royal Rumble match. And I'm sure you you read this week, uh, uh, Double J, what Chris Jericho said about Eric Bischoff. That's right, I did. You know, he's obviously not going to go to TNA because he's not 50. Right. Too funny. So what number is this, Dave? Coming out, we're four seconds in. 29. This is 29. 29. Huh? Wow. So one more person left after this. Edge. Here we go. Edge is officially <laughs> the rated R superstar, ladies and gentlemen, is back in WWE. And look at the black-eyed look of death <laughs> on the face of Y2 Yeager. And listen to the crowd in Atlanta. Pop, pop. He looks like he did a couple years ago when he looked like the uh, like he was doing the, the hockey beard for the playoffs, yep. right? Yep. Spear City on everybody. Michael, Cena, Jericho. Yeah, just for the record, I did pick Edge to win the Rumble. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> you lied, Doctor. You audibled yourself. No, no, I picked Edge. <laughs> okay. All right. Sean's been we'll in. go with that. Sean's been in about 13 minutes. Cena's been in about 12 minutes to this point. And Edge's. Oh. Uh, and Batista would be number the 30. Very nice. Edge, edge cleaning house. Yes. Batista is most likely number 30, so right now. Of your final four, it's four absolute main eventers, and this crowd is popping huge for uh, Edge. Look at the uh, body type on Edge right now. He's definitely not uh, suffering from any wellness at all. As a matter of fact, the only thing that looks like he's suffering from is a couple of too many trips to the buffet table. He looks a little beefy. I wouldn't yes. say he's fat, but he looks a little beefy. As Edge has Shawn Michaels up on the shoulder. And, and Batista. And number 30. No surprise. Batista, number 30. And quite possibly could be the odds-on favorite to win the Royal Rumble. And right now. he's running to the ring again. That's not good for Dave Batista. What about Jim Duggan? He's a former winner. Apparently, <laughs> he's not in tonight. Uh oh. Okay. Close lines all around from Batista to Michaels, Cena, Jericho, Edge. Jericho still in? Yes. No, he's out. He's out. He got Cena eliminated. Got rid of, Cena, Cena got, got rid of him pretty quick. Okay. All right. He was only in there for about three minutes. Did you guys check out the black eye on Jericho? Obviously, yeah. some remnants of the uh, the three-way dance. So, let and me get this straight. We're going to see someone who's won this Royal Rumble before win it again. There you go. Have Edge and Batista had their battles in the past. I mean, Edge is the only one in this match that has never won a Royal Rumble. So, obviously, Edge should be the one to win this. But from a storyline standpoint, it seems to me it's either going to be Shawn Michaels or Batista. Three babies in a heel. I think we're determining that William Regal was listed and did not appear tonight to make room for Edge. Shawn Michaels with the vintage elbow with Here's the kip the nip up. up. Nip or kip? It's kip. Okay. And the ball, the ball buster. <laughs> the inverted atomic drop. Right. Delivered to Batista as well. All right. No more entries. This is the final four. Edge, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, and Batista. Wow. And it's only... Uh, it's only 8.30. Yeah, 18, 19, 29, and 30. We might actually have a little bit of time to, like, do a little post after this show. Yeah, for sure. Shawn Michaels up to the top. 
Delivers his elbow drop to For the John third Cena. Time. Wow. And like like I was saying a few minutes ago, guys, this is quite different because at this time last year there were 13 or 14 guys in the ring. This right. is a complete change from last year. Good. Good. And uh, you never know what uh, what can happen year to year, moment to moment. And another elbow by HBK, this time on Dave Batista. He had to adjust. Did you see that? <laughs> Batista was out of the range. He had to adjust big time in air. That was awesome. A little sweet chin music to tune it up to band. Okay, chatters, who's going to win this? Who's going to be the winner? Sweet chin music final delivered. four. And he Dang. hits Batista with it as well. And Edge taking Shawn Michaels oh, out. No. And neither one of them go out. So close. But wait, both men are on the apron. All it's going to take is for one guy, John Cena or Batista, to take both of these guys. Oh, Shawn Michaels super kicks him into, into the, the ring. ring. And Batista, as uh, Shawn uh, uh. is on the other side, oh. and Shawn fell off, and I don't think he was supposed to fall off. No, he was. No, he was. Yes, he was. He was. That Batista was knocks out Shawn Michaels. We're down. And to no three. Michaels Taker two. Not at yet. This year's WrestleMania. Oh, at least look at the look on Shawn look Michaels' like, yeah, face. And he's he had about pissed. eight or nine eliminations this yeah, year. Yeah, he's pissed. Nice. You know what, though? I'm glad. I, I love Shawn Michaels. Don't get me wrong. He's one of my favorites. I've been called the Michaels Mark all my life, and that's fine. I'm cool with that. I'm glad Shawn Michaels is not winning the Royal Rumble this year. Sorry. I don't really want to see someone who's won this again. This would be his, what, third time winning if he had won? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely not. Shawn Michaels, unfortunately, you're out, my friend. He's freaking out. He's having a conniption. I think he's going to do something. Oh. And now does he get into the SmackDown Elimination Chamber just like he did, or just like Edge did last year? Or the year before. I'm liking this. Shawn Michaels is snapping. This is setting up a nice little heel turn for when he does take on The Undertaker. I think that's going to work. He has snapped. I'm, I'm digging that's this. That's your theory. He's going to turn I'm heel first. I'm digging this, too. Yep. Turn he, heel first before go on to face The Undertaker. And he oh. just super kicked the shit out of Charles Robinson. Little Nate did you see, takes it on the chin. Did you see how high he jumped yeah. for that kick? Sold oh, that well. was Sold nice. well. Very nice. Shawn Michaels has officially uh, had a breakdown, ladies and gentlemen. It looks like he will be turning heel, and I'm digging it because I, I want to see Shawn Michaels as a heel. He's been babyface for far too long. Let's let's see some old HBK come back. Oh, nice. So we have Batista. This was Edge and uh, John Cena still remaining in the match. And this was everything Shawn Michaels wanted to do. This was his only goal, his only aspiration. All he wanted was revenge on The Undertaker and to break that streak. But this is not his last opportunity. Oh, Michael's pissed. I'm loving it. He's going to go in the back and, like, you know. Okay, so Mr. V says he needs to, horns <laughs> he needs to super kick Hornswoggle. I was just about to say that. He has to go in the back and just super kick Hornswoggle. So if, if he's going to face... Undertaker at WrestleMania, how do you foresee it happening now, Double J? I think that uh, an Elimination Chamber or the next title defense the Undertaker has, he's going to cost the Undertaker his championship. And that's going to set up for a, a the match at WrestleMania. Because it doesn't right. need to be about the title. And no. it's not going to be. Oh, and Cena but, eliminates Batista. Okay, wow. Edge is going to win bridge. this. 
Edge Edge wins the Rumble. Yeah. Because it's not going to be Cena. Cena has his back turned to Edge. Wow. Could you have predicted these final two? That's very storied history Edge, between these two. Absolutely. Edge number 29, Cena number 19. This year was all about the superstars and about CM Punk cutting a promo in the middle of the Royal Rumble. This was not about the longest man who could survive. Uh-uh, this was and, not and, about... And Batista's hanging around ringside. This was not putting over a mid-carter. Edge eliminates Cena! Edge, Edge has won it! Edge, for the first time ever in his career, thank you, WWE, for giving someone who's never won the Rumble a shot to shine. Edge makes his triumphant comeback tonight at the Royal Rumble, and he has secured his spot as the main event contender for the title of his choosing at WrestleMania 26. Congratulations goes to Edge, and he was my pick, by the way. And he is not really uh, hes not really walking around with, right, damn it. with a limp when it comes to that Achilles tendon injury. Uh, uh, like I said last night, adrenaline is a hell of a drug, so he might be feeling it tomorrow morning. But and, and Dave, WWE holy now cow. stands for We Want Edge. Great sign, yeah. absolutely. And boy, oh boy, what a finale. We come to the conclusion of our, of our show and the conclusion of our clips, but... A significant moment happened just in the last couple of months with uh, a guy who didn't get his significant introduction into the media from professional wrestling, but from reality TV, and that is, of course, Mike the Miz Mizanin. Now, of course, we couldn't give you a highlight of Sunday Night Showdown because he won the uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, Sorry, he cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase on a Monday night, so uh, not on a Sunday night. But uh, just tell me about your, your thoughts. Miz wins the, the money in the bank, holds it from July all the way along. Uh, of course, Kane uh, won his title the, night, the same night, which was also very entertaining. But uh, Miz, United States champion for a long, long time, and now world heavyweight champion as we uh, as we flip the calendar, and it didn't happen on a Sunday, but we certainly wanted to talk about it. Well, you know what, Internet Dave, I really think, and some people really don't like that World Wrestling Entertainment put the title strap on the Miz, and they feel as though that he hasn't paid his dues. I beg to differ. I think that. Um, there's no single greater hated heel in World Wrestling Entertainment right now than The Miz, and that to me is the mark of somebody that has attained the ability to put himself over as a hated heel, and Miz has done exactly that. And no matter whether he came from MTV, reality television, I've watched um, and been entertained by The Miz, certainly uh, over the course of, of 2010. And uh, he, he certainly has progressed as, as his in-ring work and his wrestling ability has, has certainly come a long way. I remember seeing him under a hood at the, as the Canadian kid at a, uh, at a Raw here at the Pengros, at the time the Pengros saddled him here in Calgary. And... Uh, the Miz is doing a fantastic job with his uh, sidekick, Alex Riley. Uh, the fact that Michael Cole is involved in the whole 
love fest of the Miz, uh, I think is, is worth wonders for the whole Miz character and the fact that they really hate his guts. They hate Alex Riley's guts. But even more so than that, they really hate Michael Cole's guts. And apparently the word is that the office is toying with the idea of having, and he's already started training, having Michael Cole involved in an in-ring match in some way, shape, or form. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. And uh, I really think that no matter what you think of The Miz, that you have to give a quick shout-out and a hand clap to the fact that he has progressed so far so quick. And uh, no matter how his title reign turns in his now his feud with John Morrison and what might become of that and how it, you know, whether Morrison attains the strap or they leave it on the Miz going into Mania. Um, the Miz definitely, if not the biggest, certainly one of the top two, I think, along with Sheamus as being breakout star of the year. All right, well, let's uh, quickly run down a couple of uh, rapid-fire topics for the Shark here, and, and I'll throw my two cents in as well and see what happens. Uh, all right, let's just go off the top of the head. Uh, biggest winner, 2011, I would say a tie between The Miz and Michael Cole. Well, as far as winner, I mean, Michael Cole, uh, I'm not sure whether I, I really like what The Office has done with the voice of World Wrestling Entertainment, the voice of the Rob, you know, anonymous general manager. Um, I like Michael Cole as far as his play-by-play work. Um, I really didn't like when they didn't bring back JR, Jim Ross. Um, I shook my head severely over that maneuver, but uh, Michael Cole has done a really good job. I, I really think that th- there has never, ever been a an announcer on any wrestling show that has been as involved in storylines, obviously, with The Miz, as being the voice of the anonymous general manager and doing his play-by-play work, holding the glue between himself, Jerry the King Lawler, and... Um, Matt Stryker together, and of course him continuing to do play-by-play on SmackDown. And yeah, being promoted to SmackDown and uh, taking over. Exactly. So, you know, it is Michael Cole Wrestling Entertainment, and, uh, you know, I, I, I really think that uh, um, he has been a large part of what World Wrestling Entertainment has utilized in portraying their storylines to World Wrestling Entertainment Universe over the course of 2010. Uh, Biggest loser, I would say fans who can't get over the fact that uh, WWE has switched to PG and biggest loser to me is the, the World Wrestling Entertainment for the fans that they have lost due to the switch to PG despite all of them that they have gained. And uh, with two young kids who wanted Cena merchandise the last time they were in uh, in Calgary, you can certainly speak to both sides of this issue. Well, on the 
On the office side of the coin, certainly uh, the whole PG thing was brought on by the fact that Linda McMahon was running for the Senate in Connecticut. Um, and unless you've been living under a rock somewhere, you know that that attempt failed. And I really thought that not only because of that, but because of their um, long-term uh, promotional deal that they've done with Mattel Toys, that was a part of the whole needing and necessity to go to PG. And yes, with six and three-year-old boys and, and taking them to Monday Night Light Raw live at the uh, Scotiabank Saddle Dome here in Calgary a couple of months back, and then only wanting one thing, and that was the, the wristbands and the armbands from John Cena, which I was happy with because they didn't want T-shirts, they didn't want hats, so I actually got off white at $12 each. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, the whole PG thing as a long-time uh, fan of professional wrestling and being involved in professional wrestling, I didn't like. I, I, I thought that, you know, certain pay-per-views like Extreme Rules were bad due to the fact that, you know, you're smashing a guy over the head or over the back, and there was no color. There was no bleeding. There was no blood. Um, yeah, on the other side of the coin, you got TNA, and they picked up the, the color uh, baton and ran with it, and, you know... You know, the guy with the fewest amount of, the least amount of blood running through his veins is the one that bled the most. It's Flair, and, you know, any little sort of minor little bump and Flair was bleeding. He hit himself in the head, and the whole angle with Mick felt fully, and he was bleeding. Um, but I think overall, the PG, going from the Attitude Era, and a lot of color and a lot of hardcore stuff, progressing through that, I think that basically it was uh, um, enough of that, and they've, they've gone to this PG thing, and it's uh, it's picked up their business because they've been able to once again refocus on that younger demographic who is so influenced by the product. Destined for stardom 2011, who who are we going to be talking about a year from now that, oh, my God, 2011 was the best year of his career? I'm thinking Daniel Bryan builds on what he's already created, but maybe you have a different thought. I would concur. I think that both Daniel Bryan and, and Jomo John Morrison um, will be pushed to the moon in the calendar year 2011. They're quite possibly, I'm really hoping that, they're going to do something with, with Kurt Henning's son, Joe Henning, Michael McGill, Cody. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think that there'll be some more breakout stars come on the scene from Florida Championship Wrestling through NXT. And if you've watched, and I have the last couple of weeks, there's some fantastic new talents on the Season 4 edition of NXT that are great on the microphone, great in the ring, look great, and are highly marketable. Um, and if you're not living north of the 49th and can't see it on the score, go to www.com and check it out. Some great new talents on, on NXT. And I think like 2010, Dave, um, that you're going to see the 
the building of more breakout stars in World Wrestling Entertainment on SmackDown, on Raw, and on pay-per-views. And, you know, you'll see the reemergence of Triple H. I think Triple H will be back soon. And uh, they have no choice but to continue to build stars from within because a lot of the mainstream veterans in 2011, at the end of the year, you might not see the Jerichos, the Edges, the Christians, the Takers, Triple H's. This might be 2011, might be the last year for a lot of them as well. Destined for Oblivion, I've got three right off the top of my head. Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, and Darren Young. Going nowhere fast. Unless they repackage them or, you know, we, we could be sitting here at this time next year, recapping 2011, and Nexus might still be intact. As a matter of fact, Skippy, Skip Sheffield, and, um, and Tarver, Michael Tarver, in all likelihood will be back. And Nexus might even be bigger than the biggest roster that the NWO ever had. Every heel on WWE programming <laughs> might be a member of Nexus. Maybe. Um, biggest waste of time, firing John Cena. Plain and simple. Not sure whether it was a, a waste of time. I just, like I said before, I didn't like the fact that after he got fired, he was still on WWE programming. I think that they could have written it a lot better than that. But, uh, yeah, I, to me, the biggest waste of time, unequivocally, is Vicky Guerrero. I think that, that no question, um, yeah, she has attained uh, an overwhelming amount of heel heat for Dolph Ziggler. Great for Dolph. And great that the office has utilized her in that capacity. Yet, the legacy that is thought about when you think of Eddie Guerrero. You're left with what they've done with, with Vicky, and I absolutely hate it. The best decision made, I think WWE and probably TNA finally eliminating chair shots to the head. Uh, no question. I think that uh, um, it's not necessary. Um, everybody knows it's a work. And you needn't subject your talent to any more uh, physical abuse than what they already take. And I, I, it, was a, it was a really bad year for the amount of uh, physical mishaps and, and injuries that WWE and TNA talent were subjected to and lived through and recovered from. Not necessary. The Enough Already Award, Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker. I love the guy, 2008, 2009 in uh, ECW, but all the references to the 60s and, and these wrestlers that you and I have heard of, but the majority of the audience haven't, and the fact that him and Michael Cole apparently were fighting on the air uh, for pay-per-views and CM Punk replaced uh, him for that, that match at TLC. Enough already, Matt Stryker. I'm on the other uh, coin. I think Matt Stryker is uh, funny. He's very reference-worthy when it comes to what you said in referencing uh, the history of professional wrestling. I like Matt Stryker. And unequivocally, 
the Enough Already Award. Not even close. Although it was close in my mind. But the Enough Already Award, I'm going to give, declare a tie between Michael Cole and the anonymous general manager. That's enough already. <laughs> Damn it. The Sorry to See You Go Award, as we're uh, almost uh, at the end here. Uh, you know what? Despite all the bullshit uh, on YouTube, Matt Hardy. Sorry to see you go, Matt. And could he be in TNA while his brother's in a jail cell? Very possibly, but... Uh, I mean, 2010 wasn't the best year, and obviously he needs some time to just physically recuperate. But sorry to see you go, Matt Hardy. I'm sorry to see the Matt Hardy great in-ring, in-ring worker go. I'm not sorry to see the Matt Hardy YouTube stooge go. Get away. Fuck off. So who are you sorry to see go? Honestly, um, all kidding aside, the Story to See a Go Award was Umaga. And for a guy that had one of the greatest heel gimmicks of the last decade, um, the way that he passed was, was terrible. The just this last week, somebody who was at a memorial party um, with with the family did one of the dumbest things in the history of of the internet and professional wrestling, and posted some confidential photos on the uh, on YouTube and, and on the internet. It was I think asinine, but you know, sorry to see you go. There were a lot of <clears throat> there were a lot of people that passed on this past year uh, in professional wrestling or, you know, that were associated in some capacity with professional wrestling. And uh, we made reference to them on a previous Sunday Night Showdown. Um, but the in memoriam this year um, was long. Um, but sorry to see you go was, for me, mother. 15 Minutes of Fame Award. Alex Riley. Unless... Uh, they're, they're still pushing him, so... Well, he's on his 14th minute, as far as I'm concerned. Any other... Uh, Alex Riley or anyone else? Well, I think the... the you're the luckiest son of a bitch in World Wrestling Entertainment Award should go to Alex Riley. Yeah. After his DWI. Yeah. And, and really, you've got to know that there are two sets of rules in World Wrestling Entertainment. Those who are not being pushed and those who are being pushed. And that was highly illustrated, Internet Dave, by the fact that in any given circumstance, Alex Riley should have been fired. But because he was in a main event push with The Miz, his ass was saved. And uh, uh, 15 minutes of fame. Uh, I was sorry to see Caval this past week yeah. um, being given his release by World Wrestling Entertainment um, apparently he asked for it he didn't like the direction but apparently they didn't have anything for him which I think was asinine I mean 
the, the whole NXT, the whole thing that they did with him and Lee Cool. Uh, well, you can't find something for a guy. You know, let, let's have the resurrection of the of the uh, light heavyweight division, the you know the cruiserweight division. Yeah. They have so many wrestlers on the roster on both brands that are in that weight class and to see Cabal go was, was terrible and he had his 15 minutes of pain this year uh, okay the best person right now or recently released from WWE who will make the biggest impact in TNA in 2011 I would say MVP or Matt Hardy well, and that would be a safe bet if you bet on either MVP or Matt Hardy. Let's not forget that MVP started in TNA. The office likes him. Um, I think that they'll bring in Matt Hardy as a safety valve should Jeff have to serve some time and they can continue along with the whole Hardy angle if Matt's there. But I really think that that it is MVP if, if in fact... Um, he wants to re-enter the world of TNA. I think that maybe, as far as money, he might go to Japan, he might go to Europe. Um, Mexico would be huge money for, for MVP, and, and uh, especially in, in AAA Lucha Libre, with Conan still being a huge part of the office, they would jump at the opportunity to... Um, and welcome MVP with open arms into uh, into a Triple A. Um, only time will tell, but I, I would say to answer your question, it's definitely going to be MVP. The during 2011 TSN Turning Point Award, uh, to me, it's got to be uh, David Hart Smith and and Tyson Kidd. If they don't have a good 2011, consider their careers over. But if they have a decent 2011, then maybe their careers go on for a little bit longer, uh, 2012 and beyond. And, you know, I agree with you, and I really think that both David Hart Smith and Tyson Kidd's future in world wrestling entertainment is not directly derived from each of their characters and their in-ring work. It's more speculative and more got to do with what the office gives them and what direction the office storyline wise chooses to utilize both of them we all know that their in-ring work is fantastic albeit some that have never seen them other than in a world wrestling entertainment ring obviously know the level to which Tyson Kidd can perform and have not in any way shape or form been exposed to the level of in-ring expertise of which David Hart Smith can perform because they haven't given him much. So time will tell, and I really think 2011 will be the stamp on both of their careers in world wrestling entertainment, and I can only hope that both of them are given more than what they've been given so far, and, you know, like I say, only time will tell. Tyler Black jumped from Ring of Honor to World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, person besides Tyler Black most likely to jump to a different company and see success. I uh, don't think the Briscoes are going to go. I don't think Davey Richards. 
or Roderick Strong or Austin Aries are going to go. Uh, maybe the Kings are wrestling Chris Hero and Cost- Claudio Castagnoli. Maybe it is the Briscoes. Uh, anybody that you can think of. Obviously, uh, we've had some significant jumps in 2010 from ROH to uh, to the to the bigger show. Well, you know, if you, if you take guys like CM Punk and Samoa Joe um, and the best of what Ring of Honor had to offer over the last decade, um, I personally really hope that. Should World Wrestling Entertainment have a resurrection of the tag team division, and one can only hope that 2011 will see a resurrection of a WWE tag team division, whether it's Raw and SmackDown, but I really hope because it's succinctly and sadly missing, Dave, some quality tag teams. When you see a comedic duo of Victor Kozlov, Vladimir Kozlov, pardon me, Victor Kozlov is a hockey player, uh, Vladimir Kozlov and Santino Morella as your comedic tag team champions, you really know that the tag team division is lacking. But if they don't, I really see the Briscoe brothers going to TNA. Um, If you look at some of their body of work in Ring of Honor, they're fantastic, and they are the single most, and I'm including the Motor City Machine Guns in this statement, they're the single greatest tag team in the world in professional wrestling that nobody's seen. Uh, the match that didn't pay off, and uh, this one and one more. Uh, the match that didn't pay off to me, uh, the two matches uh, in the series between Edge and Chris Jericho. WrestleMania and their follow-up at Extreme Rules. Yeah, you know, and and I really was looking forward to the whole Edge Chris Jericho um, feud coming back off of the surprise re-entrance of Edge at the Royal Rumble back last January. And I really expected more from the two of them, but I'm not sure why this time around they they didn't have the chemistry that they had had previously. And that was a huge shock to me. I've known Chris Jericho for a very, very long time and Edge for a lesser amount of time, but um, that was the biggest disappointment for me the whole year was the the lack of good work and in-ring work and, and lack of good heat that the two of them attained from the fans. And finally, the two world champions on December 31st, 2011. Me, I'll take uh, Cena on the Raw side and either Alberto Del Rio or Dolph Ziggler on the SmackDown side, providing that there are no trades. I could see Del Rio being flipped to to Raw uh, during the draft, but uh, Cena and Ziggler are my two picks. December 31st, 2011, world champions. Well, and that would be the safe bet. Um, I would. I think Ziggles is quite a step up. Well, and, and you know what? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you you got to know that uh, Dolph Ziggler is going to be continued to be pushed to the moon. And I really think that uh, maybe that Dolph Ziggler at the end of 2011 will be one of the most beloved baby faces in world wrestling entertainment. I I, I really think that um, the John Cena thing is safe. Um, 
Alberta Del Rio moving to Raw, I think, is a natural progression, and I think will happen. Um, but, you know, champions at the end of 2011, uh, John Morrison, Randy Orton, Randy Orton, Sheamus, CM Punk, Triple H, you know, uh, any number of champions would be believable champions. And uh, I think what is going to be fun in World Wrestling Entertainment this coming year is to see the progression of the talent that they currently have and to see who will be the new crop of talent that they push, I think will be very exciting to, to see. And favorite SNS moment? I think it's either uh, Trey's lawyer uh, deciding what the rules should be for quick picks uh, or, or as somebody in the chat room uh, quoted it, Sunday Night Shitface to TLC. Well, Shitface to TLC was funny, but uh, nothing was funnier than, than the Trey Dogs lawyer coming on the air. Engelbert R. Sassafras, I believe his name. Engelbert R. Sassafras, nothing was funnier than that. Uh, and there were some some funny moments in the calendar year of 2010 on Sunday Night Showdown, as well as some funny moments on Wrestling News Live. But as far as Sunday Night Showdown, I think the the whole Sassafras legal conundrum, if you will, was funnier like no other. Well, are you ready to do it all again? I know I am. Well, I'm always sure about one thing when I come to the worldwide studios and headquarters of Sunday Night Showdown on the SNS Radio Network, Internet Dave, and that's, and I'm not quite sure, but I'm certainly looking forward to another uh, stellar and marquee year of covering World Wrestling Entertainment and TNA pay-per-views with yourself and Harmony Boom Boom Sexay and the CEO, COO of the network, the one and only Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay. And uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next year. All right, man. It's been fun. Thank you, partner. And uh, that is... 2010 wrapped up once and for all. We uh, flip the calendar and look ahead. Don't forget, every TNA and every WWE pay-per-view covered live by the Sunday Night Showdown crew on the SNS radio network. It's Genesis on January 9th, and then, of course, the greatest hour in wrestling, the Royal Rumble on January 30th. We thank the boss for for giving us this time. We wanted to give him a break, so uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope that you're going to stick with us. And if you missed any of these highlights, check out the archives, because because they're they're there on uh, SundayNightShowdown.com. And uh, thank you very much again for joining us, and we'll talk to you in 2011.